welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 13. Once again with us, Mr. John J. Wolf, and tonight we are covering GCW's Homecoming Weekend, night one, from the Carousel Ballroom at the Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City. John, how do you feel about this card tonight? You know, I'm really feeling great about this card. This was one of GCW's, if not GCW's, big show of the year. So I really was feeling good about watching GCW in their home. You know, I love seeing that carousel ceiling. That's kind of cool. Uh, four titles defended tonight. I thought that was fantastic. That made the night really exciting, especially however we were talking about how titles should be defended more often. Yep. And we got a dynamite night full of titles. And it made it feel like how you said, like kind of like their biggest show of the year, um, especially being at home at Atlantic City. Uh, when the crowd, when they sh- first uh, came to the live view, the first thing I noticed is didn't seem as many people uh, were there this year as compared to last year. But I think that's because um, last year there was a lot more buildup with the whole Cardona, Nick Gage stuff, even though fans really weren't certain that Mark- Matt Cardona would show up in the first place. But mm-hmm. then he finally did make the match, announced it, said it's going to be a death match. So I think all those people there last year to see Matt Cardona. Uh, the Matt Cardone effect kind of helped out GCW last year, but this year the crowd did look a very good, decent size, just a little bit, uh, like I said, smaller than last time. And their excitement, though, from right from the get go was awesome as well, because uh, I just don't think there was as much build up to homecoming this year. But I think to kind of counteract of, hey, we didn't really build up storylines and have like big, awesome, crazy, like last last matches blow-offs i think this was like a more of a all-star stacked card and mm-hmm. that's one way to kind of make up where if you're not going to build up storylines make sure there's a lot of in-ring great in-ring action and stuff and i think that's where they absolutely delivered here and the ac fans definitely helped out the show from the get-go with their energy and passion in my opinion yeah and- this was a really solid card yeah, I mean, really front to back. And I was eventually I was eventually going to mention that anyway, about the fact that, uh, you know, there were no sleepers. There were no pee breaks. There, were, there was yeah. no time to really breathe there. Just match after match after match. They didn't let off the gas. I think I was four, maybe maybe four matches in. We're looking Blake Christian, Tony Deppin. That was the first match where there was just a touch of breathing room. And the only reason where there was breathing room where there was because it was a 20 plus minute match and there was meant to be a little bit of breathing room at, at spots, but otherwise just, I mean, pedal to the metal from the beginning. And they came out hot. Oh, first match of oh. the night, Nick Wayne going against star boy, Charlie. And this was, I don't, I don't know if they announced Oh yeah, they did announce this match. I remember it was like shortly before, but I was like totally kind of forgot about this match after seeing the last couple of days before the show, their matches they were announcing. Then I totally forgot that this was on the card. So like when they both came out, I was like, oh my God, I forgot about this. And like right away, I'm like, they're starting off with two incredible young athletes that as we probably called them before, the young pillars that they have. And to, yeah. start, to start the night off hot, like usually we get that scramble match, but instead we got just two young talents trying to make their mark on GCW and in wrestling. And it was a great start to the match. Um. There was a lot of chance for Starboy and a lot of chance for Nick Wayne. But then I think uh, Starboy kind of took over with the chance, but that's okay because he's been on an incredible run lately with his matches. Same with Nick Wayne, but Starboy, being, he just returned. I think it was awesome. Kind of he got the more uh, crowd behind him more, a little bit more than Nick Wayne. Yeah, you know, it was right from the get-go. Starboy was getting those welcome back chants from the fans. So it was just a very, you know, feel-good moment from there. 
But before the match even started, we're looking at GCW chance. So, I mean, come on. It's just, it's all feel good across the board. Here comes Nick Wayne. Both really started out fast as expected. Eventually, a little bit further into the match there, they finally got a handshake. Also shared in the commentary was the fact that both of Starboy's parents are boxers. I mean, I knew nothing about that. I haven't had a chance to look up names or anything of the sort. But I think that would be worth looking up later as who exactly they were. But they were talking about the fact that both of both uh, Nick Wayne and Starboy were uh, their families weren't new to the ring. Yeah, I didn't know Starboy's dad did it. I knew Starboy Charlie's mom did it because they made mention to it in past LA shows when she kind of got involved with the South Pacific Savages and stuff like that. But I didn't know about the dad, so that was uh, very interesting to learn. And as you said, yeah, right before the kind of the match even started, those GCW chants, I was like, okay, this crowd is, even though it's not as big as what it was, it is going to be just as loud as what it was last year. And that's where I kind of was like, yeah, all right, this is it. This is the big GCW show of the year. I was kind of leery going into it. I was excited, but then that kind of got me like, okay, we're starting the match off. Nick Wayne, Starboy, this is going to be an incredible night, and the crowd is going to be incredible. And that definitely played out throughout the entire weekend, I think, um, of mm -hmm. helping, especially people at home watching it on Fight TV, feel how much excitement was really going on in that carousel ballroom. Yeah, Starboy was really strong throughout this match, and Wayne more or less had offense in spurts. This was really more or less Starboy showing off as his comeback match, you know, at the carousel room. There was a spot where there was a great Mutalock by Starboy. Absolutely excellent spot there. On Nick Wayne's side, he had a Fisherman's Buster into a perfect plex. It was a great combo. I've also mentioned once before, I'm a big fan of the perfect plex. So thank you, Nick Wayne, for bringing that back again. Uh, there was a spot where Starboy hits a cradle pile driver. He just barely makes it, but they still made it look good. And by the time that's all going on, here we go with more GCW chance. And this is awesome chance. Was there anything else you can think of about this match that's worth mentioning? I uh, it is a 10 minute match. I was kind of hoping maybe if they were put on maybe later on in the night, they could have had more time to kind of tell an even crazier story. But I think for how the card was laid out and how many matches they had and it being an incredible night of wrestling for, like I said, their number one show of the year, in my opinion, I think uh, how they treat homecoming. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was an awesome way to get the kind of crowd hyped, but then cut it short so that way they don't get too hyped for the next matches coming up and stuff like that. So I think it was a good start. I would have preferred in the middle, like I said, middle of the card, let it play out more. And then I just think that crowd, you could have absolutely made two gigantic stars as, as they did with Cole Radrick before and the AC, mm -hmm. like that crowd could, as we find out later in the show, this crowd could make you a star or take that star away from you and make it very <laughs> uncomfortable. So I was kind of hoping they would get some more time to absolutely create brand new stars. And now you got all that momentum behind these two to keep on going but i think the way they started off this homecoming weekend with the, probably their two youngest and biggest up-and-coming wrestlers i think that was awesome way to start it and for those 10 minutes they made sure like hey we got 10 minutes we're not doing anything it was just non-stop as you said fast paced let's get our shit in let's make ourselves look good and uh as you said starboy kind of got most of the offense but then uh Nick Wayne ended up getting the victory as he hit uh, Starboy Charlie with not one, but two clout cutters for the victory. And I love how they always keep on, uh, KG keeps it mentioning that uh, 
Dick Wayne is doing the clout cutter because of Jordan and stuff. Yes. I also like how Jordan, as he's the next master we're going to talk about, like is changing up his finishing moves and signature moves. So that way, hey, Nick Wayne, you go ahead and do this. I'm going to debut a new and maybe more refreshing finisher on my ends because I've been using it for so long. Maybe change it up. Kind of like how Chris Jericho went away from the walls of Jericho and brought back that code breaker for the first time when he took that break off. It's like, whoa, that's a move we haven't seen. And I think with Jordan Oliver now doing the orange crush and that crazy power sit out power bomb that he's been doing now that's been super effective for him. So I kind of like him occasionally using the clout cutter for a finish, but more using it as a now setup for his new uh, finishing moves. You know, I appreciate it being the setup for the, um, for the tag team situation. Yes. That's probably going to be coming up here eventually. Yep. I, I definitely like how you said the co- the chemistry and cohesion between their move sets now, even are starting to yep. fall into place too. And that's going to make their, them as a tag team, even more unpredictable and better, uh, camaraderie i guess is where i came to my yeah. mind but better teamwork and stuff like that yeah i feel like they're really practicing for that team that tag team play when it starts to come in here soon um another thing that i wanted to talk about that i actually mentioned about nick wayne in a previous uh episode that i'm going to mention about starboy now is that when i saw nick wayne and starboy in the ring together starboy's 125 uh 125 pounds and five foot six Nick Wayne's coming in, or at least he's billed at 162 pounds and six foot one. You honestly wouldn't have known that Starboy was the older one between the two. So this kind of segues into a talk that I had before where Starboy's 19 now. I think that's where the Starman situation is, where he needs to kind of find his identity and now move into it. It's, you know, it, there his Starboy thing is now wearing off. And so I'm really hoping that the Starman situation works out. I like how there's a build there. I hope there's one hell of a payoff. I think it really, uh, I think it may be a nice transition from one way to cheer for him right now to the next reason to cheer for him. So I'm really hoping that gets, uh, that gets written into him soon enough. I was really hoping to maybe see something uh, for the homecoming weekend in the way of Starman, but I'm not against waiting because I love the build. I love the story there. You know, the Nick Wayne story with uh, Jordan Oliver. I like that little build for those of us who really uh, can appreciate a story. There's a little one there for those of us who do pay attention. The other thing I wanted to mention was that Nick Wayne has had 61 matches this year with GCW. That's tied for the second most in GCW this year. I also wanted to mention for someone who may think that he wins a lot or, you know, somebody who may think that he's getting any favorable anything for that matter. He's getting in a lot of reps more than anything. His win loss record sits at 26 and 35. So his win record is only a 42.6%. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there with some stats between these two, because these two are the future. And if there's anything we need to start looking at is what it is that they're really, you know, what their best capabilities are and what the positives are in them. And I just wanted to mention a couple of them because I'm hoping that this continues. And I wanted to make sure that a couple numbers out there, you know, do stick in people's minds about how important they may be. They may be to GCW. Yeah, and like you said, I think with Nick Wayne, I think I maybe mentioned in the past, or maybe it was off script or whatever, off offline. Um, that I'm not too worried with Nick Wayne getting his wins and losses right now, especially such a young age. I have been saying, I think I've been saying, at least I've been thinking it. Like it's more important for him to get these reps in 
and all these different kind of matches, singles, tags, scrambles, because that just gets more people that he's in the ring with, and it's just going to keep on broadening his skill set and move set and give him way more experience to um, adjust to different kind of move sets and or match styles in different kind of settings, especially when he goes to AEW. They do a bunch of kind of crazy stuff like GCW does. They don't stick to the, hey, this is a one-on-one, a tag team, or a triple threat. We might be throwing in a dumpster match here or there or whatever something fun. yeah whatever gimmicks they want to do but i think like him with gcw i'm not worried about the wins and losses i just love seeing him improve and he's been doing that especially a lot more since he's been tagging with jordan is you could just see their improvement especially as a tag team um i was bleeding into his singles uh matches now as well and yeah going back to Starboy, charlie i remember i don't know i think it was when mlj announced Starboy. i think it was dave prezak if i remember it was like oh he went back to star or Starboy instead of star man like he's kind of disappointed they didn't as you say keep on going but i'm right there with you i'm kind of glad it didn't just happen just for this match just because it's a bigger show for no reason at all i would like to see maybe as we've seen in other gcw kind of characters of hey you're going to change your name or you're going to change your style actually keep on doing it and like give it a reason like as we go to blake christian going against moxley like hey there's a reason for him to change his style change his name change his look he's got to get into that grave heart to get into moxley whereas Starboy charlie right now if he's still the star boy charlie it's still kind of like not holding him back but i just think it could lead when he actually does change his name or change his gimmick or look or whatever i think as he i want it to be done in a match that makes it worth something like a big feud that's making yeah, him change yeah. it. Just a normal match with Nick Wayne kind of was no reason for him to change it other than what they've been doing with Joey Janela and um, who was it the night before? Blake Christian, when they were saying, change your name, change your name. I thought maybe that would have been a good time and maybe that could have played into this one. But I think he's had like two matches since then where he's still like still did star voice. So I think that kind of ruined the whole gimmick change and stuff like that. But I think we'll see something in the very near future. Hopefully, maybe something in LA when they go against the South Pacific South Pacific Savages. Maybe Starboy comes out that night and comes out in a totally different gear, totally different music, totally different everything, and changes the characters to Starman to go against the South Pacific Savages. But it was an awesome way to start the show. And leading into the next match, the second match of the night, we had Jordan Oliver, the clout cutter, big breakfast, going up, up against Ninja Fuck Mac. And this was I was excited for this one because I'm obviously a huge fan of Jordan. I'm also a huge fan of Ninja. And I don't think I've ever seen them really interact other than maybe scramble matches. But oh, I think maybe they did a tag match with him and Nick Wayne against Dante Leon and Ninja Mac. But I just love like seeing these two competitors go because Jordan has been adapting and doing crazy stuff. And like as we've been talking about ever since he's been back from Noah, Ninja Mac has been absolutely almost flawless and everything he is executing and performing so what was your thoughts on this match john you know right off the bat i'm expecting great things between these two i just i didn't know how they were going to mesh together i just knew that whatever it was going to they were going to use to mesh together was going to be a good looking thing um it started off with a lot of ninja chants and i was also happy that they put the handshake in there just because that's always the good thing to do this really ended up more like a wrestling match than it was a high flying affair the most of this stayed inside the ring i wouldn't say this was an outside the ring affair much at all 
when it comes to seeing ninja again it's it's going to be really rare which uh i want to make sure i always mention here and there because especially for the kids they love it but for people like us we also love seeing him too but he's over there in noah and uh since we're talking about noah here we are again where especially this match with jordan oliver you could see that he's grown as a performer you could see great sequences of moves there where he was really putting things together that you could almost see that he's learned. He's learned how to sit there and do a hold here and do a hold there. Let the guy take a breather for a moment. Let that uh, let that last kick sting. Things yes. like that. And I think I pay, piggyback off of that. I think this was perfect for Ninja Mac. I think this is one of those ones like, hey, we're not in a scramble match. I don't have to do all my crazy high flying stuff. Oh, I'm against Jordan. I know he's. Very good all around of high flying technical, whatever you want to do. So maybe this he used this as a perfect time to kind of show off of, hey, I don't need to do all this high spot flippy shit. Like I could have a good one on one match and take it serious and when it when need be. And this was one of these matches where I love seeing him, as you said, his growth as a performer. Kind of like, hey, I don't have to do the 630 Phoenix Flash five times to make it make myself go over. I could have a nice match that told a story as in like Jordan Oliver in this match ends up kind of turning heel just for a little bit. I think he just played kind of like, oh, hey, like you don't know who to root or who to cheer against. Yeah, Let me yeah. give you somebody to cheer against that you're cheering for Ninja. But because I think the way Jordan played that out, too, because he in the Atlantic City crowd, he has grown on them a lot. <laughs> They've gotten way more uh, receptive to him, as I know, at the beginning of this year and then near the end of late last year, they were booing him pretty good. He kind oh, of yeah. got a uh, similar heat to as a, another competitor that we will talk about later this show kind of got. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting seeing the kind of play out on someone else other than Jordan, but seeing how much Jordan didn't let that affect him and just motivated him more. And now he's won over that crowd. I just think that just shows like, Hey, you keep on doing what the crowd wants you to do. You're going to win them over, but he's done it in a way where it's not affecting and going like Jordan's not, going outside the box to kind of get that attention. He's just saying like, Hey, I have it here. I just wasn't showing you it, but now this is what I'm going to show you guys to get you to start cheering for me. And Jordan's been doing that. And Ninja, he just has that. You said everywhere, kids, women, and men, adults, it doesn't matter. Like he gets a chance anywhere and anywhere. Cause he's got such a good character and such a good moveset. It's going to be hard to root against him. So there was a lot of dueling Jordan and Ninja Chance, which if I told you a year ago there would be dueling Jordan and Ninja Chance, you probably wouldn't believe me. I don't that's how things change. <laughs> no, absolutely. And that's how much things can change. And that's how much fans can change in this time. Uh, at some point, I think it would be kind of cool to go back and watch to see where exactly that that change happened. Was it a series of shows? Was there a match? Was there a moment? You know, and, and you're really the fan, so I think that would be something cool to go back on at some time. But a rare Jordan heel, uh, a heel match at this time was uh, was nice to really see. So, like I was saying, where there was more wrestling, this was a slower paced match than the opener. And I know number two generally should be, but when you're talking Ninja Mac, this thing could really go, go, go. Uh, Ninja was in control for most of this match. There's a point where he hits a badass three, uh, 630 off the top rope. And then we have GC, uh, GCW chance over and over and over. Uh, Jordan hits that Cleopatra. Boom, more GCW chance. It was just a phenomenal match. And I was really happy they gave him 15 minutes, uh, a little over 14 minutes of breathing time. Yes. Um, going back to the Jordan thing where I think he won over the crowd. And this is just my opinion. I have no idea. But I think he kind of got a lot of flack because at the beginning of 2021, Jordan had, uh, he was on a crazy winning streak and won a bunch of matches, but then he went up against Nick Gage at the Carousel Ballroom. 
And if we know Nick Gage, we kind of know the match styles he likes to have. And we kind of, if we know Jordan, we kind of know the matches that he doesn't really have. So I think during that match and um, at the AC ball, uh, the carousel room last year against Nick Gage, that title, I think maybe he was still kind of like very, I think him and Blake Christian had very similar styles that they were on, right? Uh, during at different times, but I think what their lead up to like, Jordan's match against Nick Gage, where he was at his career, and now where Blake Christian just went against John Moxley in his career. I think there's a lot of yeah. similarities there, and I think during that match with Nick Gage, Jordan, you could kind of see was a little reluctant, and I don't know if he was doing that in character or like legit, just hey, like I'm not going through that glass, like I'm not one of these yeah. death match wrestlers. Yeah. I'm not going through that barbed wire. I'm not doing it. And I, like I said, he could have been doing it in character as a way to say, no, fuck you. Like, I don't need to do this AC. I'm doing it my way. And that's where you're not giving the fans what they want. The AC crowd with Nick Gage. They want to see blood, barbed wire, pieces of bones everywhere. They want to see craziness and you're not giving away to him. But it would also be a good heel move if that's what he was doing intentionally to keep that mm-hmm. heat on him. But the match did play out very awkward. We were seeing Nick Gage trying to get Jordan to do stuff and Jordan did not do it. So I think that's what kind of made him sour on the AC crowd, sour on him. And that started a lot of where he was getting booed a lot. And for no reason, he kind of had a little bit of going away. He, cause I remember one match, I think he won. I think he might've be Atticus even in, um, name shot. Got to drop that name there. But, uh, um, he, I think he went up against him in AC, and then obviously that wrestler obviously has more of a deathmatch style too, where they kind of took a liking to him instead of Jordan, and so they actually were chanting, like, get the fuck out, and I think Jordan even won that match, but there was no blood, no guts, none of that crazy stuff that the other performer would have preferred on, and I think that's what made him sour, but then at the end of 2021, when he went up against that same character in that no-rope barbed wire match, and it wasn't the cleanest, most dangerous, most out-of-control GCW death matches we've seen. Jordan, I think, was taken care of a lot um, by his opponent, which is fine because he's never been in that kind of match in that situation. And so, mm-hmm. but he dove in. He went into the barbed wire. He went into the glass. He did, went did all the death match stuff. And I think that's the turning point for him, showing the fans of, "Hey, I could do this. I don't want to do this. It's not my preferred style, but when the story tells it." and deserves this kind of finish this is what i can do in this situation i don't want to do it all the time but i'll do it now and i think that's where the crowd he earned the crowd's uh love back is where hey he will go do it but he just will do it on his own and that's where i think when we go back to talk about blake christian what was kind of killing him going into the moxie night is the same exact thing we haven't seen blake christian go through barbed wire go through glass of yes he went through doors and tables and his match against Moxie, but it wasn't too, it was more, I guess we could kind of differentiate ultraviolet extreme. Now ultraviolet is the death, the death matches, the blood, the, the tables, the, I mean, sorry, the glasses, the barbed wire, the crazy shit while the extreme is, Hey, lots of doors, lots of chairs. While it's not as a kid get as bloody and crazy. It's just not as dangerous. So I think maybe that's where we can right. differentiate the two, but Blake Christian hasn't really shown that. And I think, that's where I kind of was talking about the similarities where Blake going into the match, they started booing him because he wasn't getting extreme as Moxley. He'll do whatever he needs to do to put on a good show and a good match. And I think that's where the similarities, in my opinion, are. And that's where I think Jordan kind of won back the crowd of saying, hey, I could do it. Because I think he did another little similar death match in VXS, which was like a flaming doors and black glass and stuff like that against Jimmy Lloyd. So I think he's shown like, hey, I will do this. I just don't want to do it. And I think... Doing it even once or twice will help out the crowd get 
behind you more. Wow. Long-winded, sorry. But that's a long-winded no, 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 answer no. to your question, though, but that's just my opinion. No. No, but that's why you're here for that, because you were able to just pull that out without having to sit there and look over it for hours and hours of video because, you know, you know your shit instead of just sitting there going, well, you know, that was cool. But yeah, overall uh, winner, Jordan Oliver with the Tombstone pile driver. Beautiful, beautiful move. And like I was saying earlier, just a change. You don't know what he's going to use as a finisher. I don't think I've seen him use a Tombstone as a finisher for a long time. So that goes back to like, I love how he just, you don't know what's going to be his finisher. Is it the Cleopatra, the Clout Cutter, the Orange Crest, the Tombstone, the Boston Crab? Like he's just evolving his game better. And I love seeing that from Jordan. And as you said, yes, Jordan did pick up the win. It was a very good match in my mm-hmm. opinion. I did like and enjoy it. And I liked how it was slowed down and Ninja didn't have to go crazy to get over. Ninja wanted to showcase, hey, I could do this other stuff and still have a good match. And Ninja killed it in that regard as well. In our third match of the evening, we have a six-way scramble match, which was very clearly defined here, which was kind of funny as we were kind of just talking about differentiating the extreme, the ultraviolet, and how the, yes. we talked about in the past, extreme belts always on scramble matches. Um, this match was a six-way scramble, but our ECW extreme champion was not in it because he had a match later on in the night against somebody defending that championship belt. So uh, Vita Scott, or Veda Scott, sorry, was the one who very clearly said like, hey, I know we know that the extreme championship is always usually not always usually defended lately in the scramble match. But tonight, because of everything I just said, holds in another match. This will just be a normal scramble match without any belts attached to it. So I think it's just kind of funny because we've been talking about that. And then I remember texting him like, hey, did we talk about that? So it's kind of cool seeing what we talk about before. Now that we're on schedule, it's kind of funny seeing like what we talk about. Then it happened hours later. Like we were just talking about that. But the six competitors in the scramble match is Gringo Loco, Axton Ray, Grim Reefer, a returning Jimmy Lloyd after a couple weeks hiatus, Joe Lando, and Marcus Mathers, which is a very good uh, mix of young and up-and-comers with some KG Wiley veterans in this match. What was your thoughts on this match, John? Uh, well, I thought that the first couple minutes really showcased Joe Lando. It was the first time a lot of us had a, re- had a real chance to see him uh, perform. So it was really enjoyable to watch him just tear through the other five from the first 30 seconds. And uh, there were a lot of fast paced exchanges overall. Minute four, here comes Reefer smoking on the top rope. I mean, this is just a total, you know, fun scramble match. Shit's going everywhere. Axton with a spinning gut wrench powerbomb. Gringo was really, um, he was really featured with Acton and Mathers overall. Those were the ones who really had one hell of a showing tonight. Minute seven, Lando looks like he got injured. Uh, He looks like he was going off of a top rope onto the ground. And then if you look when he lands, it's almost like he's he landed on his 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 foot wrong or whatnot. It was his ankle. He uh, ended up hurting his ankle. Yeah, that was just that was one of those ones. It's always hard to see. And then after that, it seems like he uh, he he was done for and i think they also pulled him out of a jcw match if i'm correct the don't JCW? don't quote me on that right yep jcw yeah. and he was supposed to go uh the next night i forgot against who but he was supposed to be out the next night and he had to actually end up having to get replaced for the next night as well because of that injury wow yeah everybody had a good amount of time in this one jimmy jimmy had a little less than everyone in everybody else but i mean mathers came out hot i really enjoyed his attitude you know he came out there like a guy who's just ready to tear ass through the place and and he really did i think he's the next one no i think he's the next one that we keep saying these young pillars young pillars like 
He's mostly doing JCW work and every once in a while getting some GCW work. But I think with this crowd, he's you definitely see he's won him over for the stuff that he's been doing with uh, Tremont at the H2O. And he's kind of well known to the Atlantic City fans. So I think, that, as you said, this might have been his coming out party where we might start seeing him more uh, frequently in a GCW ring as well. Yeah, so you were talking earlier about how some of the stuff we were mentioning on the shows before on some of these episodes, they're kind of playing out a little bit. So I was kind of wondering if GCW has ears like an old video game machine, like a Nintendo, where we're just sitting here playing and talking and all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, here comes that one thing. Or if we're actually following the storylines and what's going on enough to where we're actually being worked as fans. So I'm not really sure about that. I did notice, too, that in this scenario, Axon Ray as... The hardcore fans were at homecoming were really more accepting of him before so that tells me that not only is he being more accepted but i'm also noticing he's getting more bookings now yeah. this past month has been really uh, a beautiful marriage between him and gcw yes he's benefited greatly but i think it's well deserved we i've been seeing this the first time First time I saw him, I'm like, okay, who's this guy? Oh, I never heard of him. Let's see what he has. Like, I'm not expecting too much just based off of looks. I'm like, okay, he's decent size, so he's probably more of a brawler or more of a striker or technical wrestler. I don't think he could really powerhouse people or do this crazy high flying stuff. And like within the first minute, as you said, Orlando got like a minute to showcase everything he has on Action Race first scramble. It was like a showcase for him for like 90 seconds of hey, go out there and. Show everyone what you got. And like those 90 seconds for me became a giant fan of Axon Ray. Um, Joe Lander, I, I wish we could have saw more of him, unfortunately, because of that injury that took a couple matches away from us. But I was interested to see what he could possibly do, especially um, as, as high flying as he was um, in a match, especially with Gringo and with Axon Ray and with Mathers. I, I was just kind of hoping to see more, but unfortunately it's out of his control. So maybe we'll see Joe Lando again back in a GCW ring soon to kind of showcase some more stuff. Um, another big takeaway I, I got from this match, as I said, when I was in, like announcing who was in it, Jimmy Lloyd it was nice kind of seeing him back. But as you said, he was kind of like off to the side a little bit. He was there to like provide the base and the bumps and trying to get those other wrestlers over. And I think that was his main goal in this match while also taking it kind of easy since I don't know if he was injured or why he was gone for those couple of weeks. Maybe he was competing for other companies that I don't know of, but I don't, I didn't see him like the last couple of weeks wrestling. So it was, I was just happy to see him that, Hey, he's good. Nothing's bad. Nothing like he fell out of race of uh, bread or anything like that. Cause I don't know. Every time I don't see Jimmy Lloyd on a show, I think maybe he didn't like wipe his ass or something like that. If you listen to the Patreon <laughs> podcast, like Brett's always yeah. finding some sort of way to fuck with uh, Jimmy Lloyd. So like I get kind of scared when I'm like, Oh shit, did like Jimmy Lloyd leave his trash in Brett's house again or something. So nice to see him back and in the good graces of GCW. And this was a short match as well. for especially for a scramble. But once again, I think it hit its intended mark of what to do of, Hey, Let's give Grim Reefer his spot in uh, Homecoming. We got to give Gringo. Like, they didn't have a singles match, surprisingly. I thought maybe he would have more of a singles match against somebody. But if you are not, don't have a match for him, throw him in the scramble. You know he's going to make himself look good while making others look good. So it was nice seeing the young mix-up talent as well as giving some of these older ECW quote-unquote veterans or regulars um, a little spotlight during this match as well. And um, Gringo Loco did end up winning with the top rope sit-down powerbomb. And I can't remember, was it, uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different, this is one of these nights at homecoming, he did like a crazy move I've never seen him do before. And I want to think it was this, during this match, I, I, sh I don't have it on my notes here, but he did like a crazy move where I'm like, hey, is that the move he was trying to do at Hammerstein, but he messed up with ASF? 
But mm. I don't know. It didn't look that crazy move, but he did pull out a move here like, off the top rope. Like it wasn't a power bomb, but it was like some sort of um not a code ready. He did some move. I forgot. I'll go back and rewatch and we'll talk about it on the maybe homecoming night part two or something like that. But he did like a crazy move that I didn't see before. And I was like, oh, gringo, he came to hey, I'm not here just for you guys. I'm gonna take over and I'm gonna get the win. So I'm happy gringo won. He's been on a roll and he probably out of the most people in that match probably deserved that win oh here we go with the belt situation again i just want to ask oh, because i was watching yeah. people like commander i was watching some of these other guys like uh well i don't know gringo might be a touch too big but if you put on your hat for a minute here comes one of these weird questions but does gcw need a, a like a cruiserweight division something for smaller guys maybe we call it an international belt something because i know you have like your Deppin, and he's kind of an in-betweener but there are some of those guys out there that i mean five four five six they can they can really go and you're not (laughs) commander's not going to be going up anytime soon against mox right (laughs) so it almost makes me think boy oh boy would it be nice to have a division for those guys to be in if they would even call it a certain name like the you know they had 205 yeah. back in the day for WWE and and I I don't want to go that route and I hate to say bigger guy smaller guy but really it would be really cool to see a high flying scramble like uh, lucha style uh division so going off of what you just said and it's going to kind of like that was going to be my answer and the reason for my answer was I don't think they need a cruiserweight thing I go back to the scramble, as you just said, like these cruiserweights and these scrambles are just tearing it up. Not cruiserweights, I'm sorry, like the Lucha people, but also like the Jimmy Lloyds, the non-actual smaller people, as we've been kind of used to ASF and stuff like that, or Joe Lando in this match. I like seeing it kind of be more of, you could turn that scramble match title or whatever into kind of a uh, Impact Wrestling, the X Division, where, hey... We know in the X Division, you're going to see some shit you probably haven't seen before. Maybe by bigger guys, maybe by smaller guys. It's just a style of wrestling. I would prefer it more that way because I, just going off you, I don't like differentiating heavyweights, cruiserweights, and stuff like that. Because then I think that takes away a lot of, hey, I would take away. and make or makes it harder, too, to believe a Rey Mysterio beating a big show for the yeah. WWE yeah. Heavyweight Championship. I think it makes it... That makes it a storyline and kind of believability a lot more harder to grasp and accept that fact where I think if you'd call it like an X division or a different kind of style scramble, whatever, a different style of match would make it like, hey, he's he's the X division champion or he's the crazy guy, that woman that does all these crazy moves and now he's going up against the heavyweight champion, but I don't notice that there's a that big of a size difference because they haven't been throwing in my face of a cruiserweight, a cruiserweight, a cruiserweight, a heavyweight, a heavyweight, a heavyweight. I like seeing the flexibility of being able to go in and out of those divisions, not based off of weight alone. That's just my opinion to answer your question there. Yeah, so where this all stemmed from was, like I said, I was watching Commander a while back, and then I was also watching ASF. And I'm going, (laughs) these guys are working their asses off. What can we do to give them something? This is where a lot of this conversation really happened from beginning when it comes with having a scramble belt was I was just wondering, what can we do to possibly incentivize these guys to come over here and stay, especially if they're some of the better ones? I mean, we can give Commander gig by gig, but what are we doing from stopping him getting a regular gig in, you know, in AAA? And then he's just gone. And it's not like we can give him much uh, in the way of just regular income because GCW likes to have a style of, you know, pay to play kind of thing. 
But, I mean, it would be cool to see some X Division type of belt or something so that those guys that do come in that can't help their size can still work their ass off and be recognized as a champion for someone at their size. Yes, I um, I think, like I said, I don't want to call it like I would like that's why I think it should be the scramble, because in these scramble mm-hmm. matches, you see a bunch of different styles. But I think as you were saying like they don't like what they get in from gcw like i think commander like nobody really heard of commander maybe you if you really are into the wrestling independent scene you might have seen the commander clip before you seen him in a gcw ring but i think now once he's on these gcw rings his platform and his going rate just went through the roof because gcw is one of the more uh probably is one of the most independent wrestling promotions out there other than like the big companies so i think them and all like the luchadors or any of these other wrestlers that are kind of quote unquote we don't know no names i think just being on the gcw platform is enough for them to leap not leapfrog but like use that as a springboard towards other companies and other stuff like as we saw speedball gets the impact he's got the impact contract but because gcw displayed him in such a way and they still kind of do their impact was like hey we trust you. We'll we'll still let you use our talent for your show. And I think that's where Brett and the GCW, like upper management, whatever they want to call themselves, is doing a very good job of they don't want to keep and hoard all the talent because there's obviously he doesn't have any contracts. But I think he's using um, his showcasing these fan or these wrestlers to new fans and giving them a platform that I think that just helps out. Hey, I want to watch Speedball. Oh, he's on Impact now. Like I've been tuning into more Impact because of Speedball working for Impact because gcw so i think while on paper and like legal terms and like actual money and stuff it might not be as beneficial as we see in front of us but i think the upside of everything outside of what we see in the ring i think their potentials grow tremendously but i love seeing brett just bring in these new guys out of nowhere and then Mm -hmm. i'd seeing them like one wrestler going to AEW, one going to impact one going to mlw i love seeing all them and then they still because all these companies now are all working together letting their independent contractors go to DCW still like Brett's earned that trust. And as we we're talking about with the Ric Flair last match, like to get all those companies to agree to not let one of those other wrestlers from all these other companies win, but a GCW wrestler win the bunkhouse brawl or to even show up as an invasion angle and kind of become a talking point of the show instead of these other companies. I just think that lends to the fact how much Brett is actually doing for the company that might not be out in front of all of us to see, where he's doing all that back work and getting everyone hyped up on the back end. As well. For the fourth match of GCW's Homecoming Night 1, we had All Heart, Blake Christian, going against Tony Deppin. And this ended up being probably the most talked about, talked about piece, maybe, well, second most talked about piece of the weekend. Uh, we'll cover the match first, and then we'll go dive into the controversy that happened at the end. John, what was your opinion on this match? So my opinion was it was sad to see that Tony did not steal a fan's <laughs> hat tonight. Uh, really, uh, I really enjoyed that the fans were singing loudly. It's really, um, it's a special thing GCW fans do, you know, to sing We Built This City. So yes. Blake, obviously, at this time is coming out to cheers. People really did like seeing him. <laughs> 
Two minutes in, we're looking at dueling chance of all heart. Also dueling chance between him and Deppin. I'm sorry, dueling chance between him and Deppin. Yeah. I said that wrong. Um, Tony, Tony had some solid reversals. There was a lot of chain wrestling, and I mean minutes of chain wrestling. I really do think for the fans, uh, they were kind of showing off the fact that there was so many move sets that they had there. Deppin was using some great, uh, you know, great kickouts back and forth that I thought were just fantastic. Um, seven minutes in is the first time that I hear any type of booze for Blake. I just want to mention that because since there's that controversy we're going to talk about later, I really tried to mark out what, uh, what time there was where all of this went down and minute seven was the first time I really heard any kind of booing. Yeah. I, uh, I liked how a commentary too. And I did forget to mention that during the, at the beginning that I think it was KG goes, is there a bigger asshole, but such a better wrestler in the world than Tony Deppin? Like he's just still playing off with the, everybody's lovable asshole, but good wrestler. I love hearing that comment oh, yeah. from uh, KG, but yeah. Um, Blake did come out. He came out and was getting, a lot of positives. It was a lot of, I think this was, yeah, this is the first match since he uh, lost to Moxley. And that was another thing I noticed going into this match was it's a kind of like a, not a number one contenders match, but a match featuring the last two people that John Moxley has faced for his uh, world title. So I thought this was kind of a cool way of, Hey, make whoever wins this. Maybe you're still up top of the rankings or maybe, Hey, you're both at the bottom now, fight it out and see who's going to continue and who's going to stay down low. I was just interested in that kind of aspect of, hey, these are the last two guys they trusted to go against Moxley. They thought they would defeat him. It didn't happen. So I wanted to see how these two go against each other because I think Tony could have a great match against anyone. Same thing with Blake Christian. He could have a great match against anyone. And I just I knew this would be a good match either way. Um, it got more time than the other matches as we were talking about earlier, which we kind of wish we would have saw more of. But um, this match was definitely given time to tell a story and... Yeah, we'll talk about that story at the end because, like, yeah, Blake Christian started getting the boos. Tony Deppin started getting a little bit more uh, loud of the cheers and chants and stuff like that. And um, Tony Deppin did, like, I like the kind of spot how they did this night where Tony Deppin was on the ground trying to do the kip up and he played into it and got the crowd behind him where, he, oh, he's finally going to yeah. do the kip up. And then, no, he's the asshole and end up trying to grab Blake's arm and then end up kicking him in the face instead. So I love how, even though the crowd absolutely still cheers Tony Deppin on, he knows how to turn, get the crowd to turn on him real fast. So I just love seeing Tony Deppin do stuff like that. Yeah. There was a spot where Tony was trying to get up off the mat. He was kind of making fun of Blake. So he's yep. sitting there. Oh, I got to get up. And he tried that three or four times. Uh, you know, that was another little entertaining spot. Uh, but I never said this before, I think in a while, but, well, I probably haven't said this before in GCW in quite a while. I love all the holds that they used. It really did make it more of a real match like I used to watch. It told more of a story than we're used to seeing. And I do want to tie this in with the fact that this match was such an engaging match. I really do think that I wish this had a two week buildup at minimum because they really had such a quality match that this would have made an amazing blow off at, you know, once everything was, this would have been an amazing, uh, I just would have really enjoyed this overall. There was a spot where Deppin hit with a, uh, a spinning DDT into a submission. Great move. Blake hit a one man Spanish fly. Excellent move. But, um, Again, at that point, I really wasn't hearing the boos as much as I was expecting to really hear 
from the crowd at that point. And if I did, I feel that it was more from a small area than it was the crowd. Maybe you can tell me otherwise. And I'm just going off of what I can remember. But for me, it felt like bad apples went to something greater. And it sounded like more because people were trying to shut up that first group that's being disruptive. And that does happen at shows. You know, yeah. sometimes you boo the assholes who are trying to be disruptive. Absolutely. Um, and and the person was adamant or the people were adamant. And again, it's not horrible. Not I don't know how to take it sometimes. But I mean, what it did look bad for Blake overall. Yes. I do know that. And I think that was kind of the plan for whomever was trying to really boo him was they were trying to disrupt the guy they don't like. Yeah, um, I agree. I if I was in that, if I was in AC, which I was actually uh, there was a, almost a small chance I went to the show, but some shit happened, but I really wanted to go to the show. I still want to catch an AC show. And if any show I wanted to go to was homecoming. So I was uh, kind of hoping it would happen, but it didn't. But I wanted that crowd. They let, they're kind of like the voice of GCW let you know, but Hey, we respect this guy. We want to see him more or Hey, he's not for us. And usually if it's not for the AC crowd, it's not usually for the GCW crowd in general. Since I know this is, as we talk about, this is their home spot. This is their home place. This, this yeah. is kind of where they get to see like who could cut it in the crazy raucous AC crowd with the J GCW show. And um, there was mostly a couple people. I did see a couple people doing it. But as you said, like a lot of people are like, hey, shut up. Like you're taking away from the match. And I, as a fan, hate that, too, as well. Like during a match, if it's during the match. I absolutely hate it. Like, hey, we're here for them. They're the ones doing all this shit. We shouldn't be on our phones laughing and giggling at a meme and stuff like that. Like they're risking their lives and the death matches and shit like that. Where yeah. I'm all for booing and whatever. Just don't get personal and don't try to take over the show. We're just fans. We're not, no one paid to see us. We paid to see them. So while they're performing, let's let them tell us the story, but also giving our opinion about it in a respectful manner. When you become just on the mic, that's where I'm kind of like, it's open game. Like you are talking in front of a live crowd where Hey, you don't like what they're saying? You as an entertainer performing for me right now, you better change it to make it work for you because we're still going to be here. We're still going to be fans. It's up to you. If you want to get this promo out, you want to talk to us, you want to tell us a story, you're going to have to earn it. We came here to see wrestling. We didn't come here to see talking. If we wanted to do that, we'd go to these other wrestling shows. Well, and that's where we kind of go back to where Blake is always seems to be the one. And it made sense. He was though going for the title. He should get more time than anyone. But he was getting this mic time months ago when he first came back to GCW, calling out the Garganos and everyone else that is not part of GCW. And I just think it was just way too much, too many times after his match, he got the mic to do something with it and he didn't. And I think that's where us as fans, where I don't, I don't disagree with saying, shut the fuck up. Like we're tired of hearing you. We want to see wrestling. Get out of here. You had your chance. You didn't prove it. Go on. We don't need to hear you talk no more. We want to see in-ring action and people that could prove it and people that we like to hear from. So, yes, the one bad apples or two bad apples, they can obviously get the crowd behind them and then the crowd starts cheering what they're cheering because, hey, yeah, I kind of am tired of hearing him. Shut the fuck up. So I think that's where it becomes hit or miss where I don't mind it on a microphone. I definitely do mind it and find it disrespectful as they're performing. That's just my opinion on where it's okay to... That's where I kind of draw the line there. 
But even then, even when they're talking to the mic, don't get personal. Like, don't bring up family. Don't bring up relationships. Anything outside of this ring, like, don't talk about that shit. Like, that's not what you're here for. You're here for me in the ring. Talk, talk about me in the ring. You could hate, like, he even makes a comment as he's talking to the crowd later on. Um, you guys can boo me all you want. That's fine. Let me just say this real fast and boo me, hate me. I don't care. But then you're kind of like, you lost the control. You gave the control to the fans. At that point is where he lost every piece of control that he had. He had the microphone. He should be the one in charge of all of us. But he that's where promo work comes in, where he might not have the promo work that's needed to do that kind of stuff. Um. So what I'll do is this, because we're going to get into this pretty heavy still, I think. Um, the winner of the match ended <laughs> up being Blake Christian with a roll-up. No, 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 that's perfectly fine. And I think that's and what I, starts it, too. So, so here's the other thing that I wanted to talk about because we just did this too. We were just as guilty. I really do feel that this stuff that happened after the match actually overshadowed a solid, almost 24 minute match. And that's BS for two guys who went out there and busted their ass for that long. I'm sure it's not easy. I don't know. I'm just, I'm sure that it's not easy. So I want to mention that right off the bat and that'll go to my point because I'm going to go kind of the opposite way of what you were saying there. Um, what I'm going to say is this, I still look at everything like a theater. I kind of look at it as if he's going to talk, I think it's just important sometimes as, as the physical stuff that he's doing. I also feel that this was a soft goodbye, and I think the, the, the disruption kind of stopped that. I also want to say that down to professionalism, I have in my notes here at one point that he really did spend way too much time just standing there thinking about what to do, thinking about what to say. We're talking this is the show of the year. There's no way in the hell that anybody at WrestleMania would have gotten that much time to sit there, stand around, think about it. I didn't count it, but I'm going to tell you, if you count it all up together, there was a good 30 seconds or more of solid deadass airtime that was taken up by these fans so unless he's willing to take the dead air time that he got from this show and turns it around into a storyline that benefits him from this point forward then i don't think from a perspective of a fan or production value that he should be on that microphone standing around staring at people because at this point he's the one that should be the focus and the fans are doing more than he is and I'm sorry, but that's being very that's being very rough. And, and I try not to be rough. I'm just trying to give the opposite side that this guy was trying to get his point out. And then when he had a chance to really get it out, uh, he, he let things bother bother him a little too much. In my perspective, in my very light. OK, here's what I would have done. I would have walked to the other side of the ring where his voice wouldn't have been heard as much and it wouldn't have picked up as much on the microphone. It wouldn't have picked up as much at home. And I delivered my goodbye to a bunch of people who would have appreciated it. Screw that side. I'm going to the other three. And that's how I probably would have handled it. And I would have turned my back to him and make sure that voice doesn't go that far or those voices don't go that far. I really do think this was a personal moment where he was going to say, hey, I got something great going. I love you guys. I want you to know that as much as I can, I'm going to be back here. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I had one shot at the championship and just because I knocked down doesn't mean I can't get back up. So I wanted to say those things just on the other side of things, because I wanted to say that I, I do feel that the, that there was a disruption and I think it overshadowed an excellent match and probably a heartfelt goodbye from someone who probably deserved it. That's just my other no, side, man. Absolutely. I no, my other side. no, it's, it's yeah. fine. Like I, not that I disagree with you that you are, Bazillion percent right on everything you just said right there. Um, I think the only reason I feel differently 
than what you just stated is just because I have been saying this moment would kind of be uh-huh. coming for even before I started this podcast. I've been saying oh, this you're moment right. before you're right. many months ago because this is what it's going to lead up to if you don't do something with it. And I think this was oh, hey, wow. this was the breaking point. This is where hey, you popped that bubble, and now you have to figure something out to come back and come back in a meaningful way. Like you said, I think th- with the roll up as a fan, I was like, I don't. It's hard to see it if it's in right spots. Like this is, I I don't hate it, but as a fan personally, like when I have the big face that I'm cheering for, I want to see him uh-huh. all do his awesome moves and. Boom, win with that finisher move or something like that. I think him just doing a quick little roll up when cheapens, he, cheapens yes. the match. And when he didn't hit really any of his other moves, it wasn't like, hey, I tried five different things. I I've oh my God, I've tried everything. What do I gotta do to get this guy down? Oh, here, let me just roll him up and as a sneaky little, hey, you may not might not might not be expecting it. I'm fine with that one. But this one with the 23 minutes that they were given, which, as you said, I thought it was probably one of the best matches of that night, actual matches. And I just think with such a great match to win that way, if Tony Deppin wins that way, he's going to get the booze. He's the heel. He flips everyone off. It's no big deal. Non-story. No issue. No one cares because that's what fucking heels are supposed to do is win like that and make the crowd angry at him. But as a face, since he's now back to all heart is what we're assuming. He's trying to get the crowd cheering for him again where he's not Graveheart no more, where he maybe was trying to get the fans to boo him, like how he was. I don't know. I just think, um, as you said, it did take away from that match, and I felt bad like for Tony. Because like you can tell you can tell after that match was over, like right away, those boos were on on Blake Christian. Right away on that three count, you see Blake tapping his head. Hey, I outsmarted him. Hey, calm down, guys. Don't boo me. I'm smarter than him. Yeah. Can't you guys see? I just outsmarted him. I'm the good guy here. I yeah. you're supposed to cheer for me. I did something that he didn't even think of when I won. You're supposed to cheer for me anyway. And you could just tell even Tony Deppin's like, hey, you got the booze. It's kind of bad. Good luck. He flipped him off and walked out of the ring. It wasn't like a normal kind of Tony Deppin where he does some outrageous, outlandish heel stuff. It was kind of like, hey, fuck you. You got the win. Here you go. Deal with this crowd because I as we as this match is going on, I was starting to feel it more because the booing started getting intensifying and getting louder of Hey, like we want Tony Depp in a win where the crowd is turning on Blake. And that's where I yeah. think where I that's where I think this was expected, where I don't think Blake expected it. And I don't know why. I don't know how. I I I don't know. I just think he should have been more prepared because we'll talk about it on homecoming night two when we see Blake again. Like you could kind of see it affected him on a personal level, not just a character, not like, hey, what do I got to do for yeah. you guys as fans? Yeah. Like, because he even hopped on the mic. He said, hey, guys, I know you guys can hate me, boo. Like, let me just say something real fast. Then you can boo me. But as you said, I think this was his kind of way of, hey, this is my last weekend here for a little bit. I got some other yeah. things going on. I still love you all. You guys created me. You guys gave me the opportunity to go to NXT. You guys gave me the opportunity for my new venture right now. But I won't forget you guys. I will still be back here. It just won't be as often as every show as he is. And if he would have gave that going away speech, I, I would have accepted it. I get it. Go do your thing. Because I like him as a, I want to see him wrestle. I just wanted uh-huh. to see him add to his character. Go all Graveheart. It, go full into the Graveheart or stay into the All Heart. But... Obviously, that all heart, the fans kind of speak in wrestling. If the fans are yeah. getting tired of your shit, it don't matter if you want us to like you or not and how they book you to win or whatever. Like, you have to earn that fans love. And that's where it becomes, hey, do I my heel or face? And that's kind of why I don't 
holy mind and being a mix of, hey, sometimes I'm face, sometimes I'm healed. Depends on the situation. I kind of root for wrestlers, not of who's good guy, who's bad guy. I kind of root for who I like, whether they're a good guy or bad guy or whatever you want to say it, where I think he was kind of being forced to be the yeah. next one to be the GCW crowd and or be the GCW champion in the crowd doesn't like it when you force something on them, especially if they don't like it. And I think that's kind of what caused all this. But some of these fans did go like kept on going. And as you said, you made a very good point. He stayed right next to that same guy the entire yeah. time. It's like he was like, hey, I'm going to prove a point to you. I'm going to win you over right now. I'm going to get you to cheer for me. Just give me a second here. And he wasn't getting that opportunity. And he needed to no. either just bail or dive headfirst into it. And then now when he comes back, maybe yeah, yeah, now he is the great part. And even now he could still come because those I I was actually a little bit like surprised, not surprised, but like, okay, I'm hearing it. I've been talking about it. I think this is gonna happen, but it went on for at least five minutes where it became kind of yeah. uncomfortable. Where, hey, like, I don't want to say it's let the guy down the yeah. show, dude. He stopped the it's show and I was down like, the show. And that's where I think that even pissed the fans more off where he can't like Dude, we don't want to see you talk here. You wasted five minutes of our time already. We want to see the wrestling. We want to. We came here for the wrestling. And if you're just going to talk and say your goodbyes, okay. But you've had way too much time to talk, and nothing's happening. We don't want to hear you talk, even if it's to say goodbye. Like we're done with you right now. This was kind of a go away, oh go away heat. Where this might be a good time for him to leave, like I said, and maybe come back and cause disruption, turn full on heel, give them a reason to boo you. Instead of just them booing you as the person, have them boo you as a character. So I think he needs to build from this. And I I hope, I am actually kind of excited if he does take maybe a couple months off even from GCW, let this kind of play out or settle down and then come back in and, oh, he showed up. Oh yeah, we freaking hate him. And then boo the shit out of him. And then he gives us a reason to boo. And I, I will kind of go over that. What I think is a possible solution to all this at the end of uh night one or the end of night two oh no end of night one it kind of pops up of where i think they kind of found a nice easy solution to get kind of everything and turn it into kind of a storyline and save face as a company because this was <laughs> i i wasn't surprised i did feel uncomfortable but i also was like hey it's i i think it was kind of earned character wise not as a person wise like i i will never boo blake christian he does he's an incredible wrestler i say that all the time i want to talk about him talking or why I don't, I'm not fully behind him. And this was one of the reasons why I kind of like feel validated of saying, this is why this is the moment I was wait, uh, afraid, not afraid, afraid of happening. Cause like I said, I want to see Blake Christian in GCW. I want to see him wrestle all the time. He's amazing in the ring. Yeah. So this, okay. So I'm going to go back just for a second because you had a point there that I wanted to hit back on. Uh, you were talking how you like set up the finishers. Okay, so that's something that is, I don't know if that's old school, but I think it's something that a lot that that kind of got lost on the way through. And I'm going to bring out another one of my old man references. But when there was a setup to like Jake the Snake's DDT, that shit was exciting. Holy shit, I think he's got him in his, oh my God, he's got his arms, you know, he's got it wrapped up. Is he going to, is he going to? Okay, so even though the DDT takes less than a second to perform as a finisher, the setup is really the magic to that. And I do believe that when it comes down to a finisher, the two things that really help with a finisher being strong is number one, the setup, and number two, the impact. So those are the two things I wanted to make sure I talked about there was that that uh, that finisher, I agree with you 100%. I really do like a build to a finisher. It really does it, it does pull you in more as a fan. It, it really does make you a little more invested in the match. 
Uh, we're going to probably talk about this later. Well, we are going to probably talk about this. We are probably. We're going to talk this, yeah, about this This definitely later. comes up in different areas throughout the night yeah, and through the yeah. next night. Where This is not like, hey, we're done with this. This kind of kept on going yeah. for the weekend. Yeah. So, so I have a possible solution here that I was going to look at for Blake Christian. If we were going to do a face situation with him, I would actually pull him out of the I would do a non-public goodbye from GCW. And I mean, I would pull him away. I'd let him do his thing. And I don't know when it would happen, but I would hold off until we miss him. I don't know how long that's going to be, but I would hold off until we miss him. I don't know if it's six months, eight months, a year, but I would make sure that when he comes back, it's a big deal and try that. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's my only thing I would put as a face is when people are sick to this point, it's time to pull him away until they miss him. You don't you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of situation. And I think this is a situation where if it were a face situation, this is what I do with him. I have a feeling you're going to go more towards the heel route, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So it really, it seemed like there was that group of people then more doing. And then the crowd just turned loudly. That was all I could really tell you from from anything else. It's just. It got loud. They weren't listening to anything he had to say. There was all that time killing that was coming up. It got to a point where he was actually sitting in the fan's lap that <laughs> wouldn't stop chanting to shut the fuck up. And he was enjoying himself. He was enjoying himself. He was doing his thing. Uh, Blake even offered to break the fourth wall because he was basically, I think, trying to pour his heart out at that point. Or he was just trying to convey that, hey, here's my next step. I'm not trying to fuck you guys over. I love being here. I'm going to be here more. It's just I got a great job when I can stop in on the weekends. I'm going to stop on through. I'd love to see you guys again. You know, that kind of thing. But even then, he's wasting so much time. Here comes wrap it up chance. And I'll be honest with you. I don't have a damn thing against the guy. But in my notes, I put wrap it up because he's just sitting there (laughs) and the two things I would tell you for sure. And again, I don't know this, but number one or number one is with, with hardly any knowledge, he should have wrapped it up. And number two, without any knowledge, I would have turned my back, went to the other side of the ring and talked over there because it really chewed up the moment. And I'm sure that there are probably some veterans that would agree with me on that one. But it was nice to hear, though, that I mean, it was sad that it got cut short, but it was nice to, to try to get Blake to get his point out that he's not leaving. I've, I I, mean, maybe he should have. I mean, he cut to the point. I think the most important thing he could have done from there is maybe go to social media and really explain himself and let him know that he's really sorry the night turned out the way it did. But for the fans who really love him, here's here's uh, here's the roadmap for the next uh, so so long. And uh, here's what we can look forward to going forward, because I don't really feel he was given the chance to finish up like he uh, like he should have. Yeah. And going back to you said so much dead time, it took time away from the other matches, even though the show was almost yeah. four hours long. Uh, yeah, it was four hours and three minutes long almost. And like it took time away. And like, as we've been saying, these couple minutes could tell a lot more story in the ring, which us fans pay to see is in the ring stuff. Um, and I think the veterans, as you said, like, I think the next night we kind of see some of the veterans kind of, hey, you guys took you took our time away. You think you wanted to prove a point here? Let's see if you really proved your point, because like you could tell the next night they went against SGC and yeah. there was a lot of a lot of uncomfortable. Like, and for me, I think I get uncomfortable. I just think if that was me in that situation as a performer, it would be uncomfortable, even though he might not think it's uncomfortable. He might be used to it. He might be like, you could tell he kind of dove into it. He's like, I, OK, you guys are booing me. I don't mind it. But then uh-huh. you can see it like, hey, but why are they booing me? What have I done different in the ring? 
where like he was confused. Is it is it because my ex girlfriend is dating the uh, someone else that maybe that news just got released? And I know that he made mention Dude. to that. He brought up. He was it, legitimately confused, bro. Yeah, le- he was legitimately confused. He started asking questions like somebody who was like, "Okay, if I could just figure this out with you guys, I'll address it so I could move on to the shit I really wanted to say." Yeah, and that if like that's where I think the promo time he that was some of these promo skills he should have used to get the crowd back into the show and not make it about them. And that's where I think promo work, even though it doesn't go too crazy on the indies and like i don't like to see a lot of promos anyway like give me some stuff on social media where i can watch it outside of the ring like when i'm watching the show i want to see the in-ring competition i don't want the soap operas the everything even though it does add to the storylines i just i like kind of like how like old ring of honor new japan did it in the ring and like gcw does it in the ring too they will give like blake christian or one other person that hey we got a big storyline to further it along but i yeah. just think he just didn't do nothing with that time and I, like I said, he was confused. He was like, is it because I'm going to AEW slash Ring of Honor? What is it, guys? Yep. Like, what is? why are you guys booming? Like, he was legit confused. And I'm like, I have my reason why. Like, I want to hear, like, I want to hear from you what you think. And why do you think they're booing from you? And why, like, what is happening with you? Answer a lot of questions. And, like, I I know I might be overstepping my boundaries here as one of the hosts, but I would, I'm throwing this invitation out there, Blake. Like, I know... We're very, very small podcasts, and we are probably you don't even aren't aware of us or anything, but we would just love to give you the platform to talk, explain everything of your reasoning. I would like to ask some, like, I would like to explain my wife. He wants to know a why. I would tell him why I would have been probably one of the ones booing and saying, shut the fuck up. Not for maybe as long as they did, because then, yeah, it gets to the point, like, hey, let's wrap this up and let's get on. Like, you've gone on too long, but I would like to give him my reasons of why I would be booing him. And I've explained all these reasons on the last podcast but i would love for him to come on and just chat with us but i know that's uh shot in the very long dark but if at any time or if he gets word of it he wants to do this we would absolutely make the time place all for him it won't be anything confrontational he would ask the why i would give him my why and i have my own reasons he would have his reasons why he doesn't like that i would love for him to come on here and explain a lot of the whys that we've been asking for him to answer over the last few couple weeks yeah, you know, I uh, I would love to see him just get a couple minutes for a platform. I am actually 100 percent agreeing with him. I I would like to see what he has to say. I really haven't checked to see on Twitter or whatnot if there is something that he said. But uh, yeah, I really hope I really hope something gets cleared up. And if there is this mishap that happened throughout that evening there, I'd like to see him use it to further something so that uh so that we could keep his face around if that's what people want. Yeah, and I would like even the fans, like on Twitter, like something like maybe like I know we're podcast for the fans, but like at first I would like to hear the reason why you guys were booing him that much. If it's maybe the same reason and thinking that I, I have or we have, or if it's something completely different that I didn't even think about, which I might not agree with. Though. Why are you booing him and taking him out of the show like that? Because like I said, it became very uncomfortable, but I'm glad he has a future It's not like it's not oh this is it like now he's got to totally regroup and take this time off and not make money or imagine if he didn't get that contract and he would be sitting there stuck in gcw not stuck in gcw but he's in gcw trying to get out of this rabbit hole where he'd have to do it in yeah. front of fans and i think right now that's like a impossibility but i think he just needs to take some time away like how he said go improve go get better but when you come back i want to see an impact i want to see a i want to see a heel Blake Christian dive into it 
And who knows? We might love him as a heel. We're two months later. We're all cheering for him again. We never know with the GCW crowd. It could it changes location by location, week by week. Maybe like this time off, well, like as you said, they'll start to miss him. We will start to appreciate him more because he is one of the reasons. Like GCW, he's like one of the, I call him regular time because that's where I first started watching him. That's where I I've always watched him and I enjoy watching him. I just don't didn't like the whole storyline with that stuff. But that's just my opinion and everything else but blake do you improve get better we still love you we would like to hear your Fuck side yeah, we love you dude we would like to hear your side like i said i would have been one of the ones probably booing saying shut the fuck up and i would love to tell you the reason why even though i've had it on this podcast but i would even like to have that conversation with you and hear your reasoning why you think it is or some of the fans of why they did like that like we always talk about we want to know the why the why the why like this whole situation i'm like why are they booing him why is he giving them the chance to keep on letting them boom and not changing the situation and bettering it for himself. There's just a lot of whys and hopefully over these next couple of weeks, we, everything turns out right for him and we get some whys and hopefully we will see him back in a GCW ring tearing shit up as hopefully in my opinion, the grave heart or some of you guys still want to see the all heart match. Number five of GCW's homecoming night one. We have a tag team title match as the brand new Los Macisos of Ciclope and Medio Extremo defend their GCW tag titles against the Briscoes. And this was a match I was very much looking forward to seeing Los Macisos in their Lucha Extremo ways going against them boy or them boy, sorry, and how extreme they've been getting lately. John, what was your opinions on this matchup? Well, I'll tell you what, I think Los Macisos had a very difficult uh, first defending match as new champions. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I think, yeah, um, I, right off the gate, I mean, they had their backs against the wall. We're hearing Dem Boys chants everywhere. I really thought it was funny that before the match even started, Emil was trying to trip on trying to do the Spanish numbers. That, <laughs> you know... <laughs> That was just fantastic. I started watching more of the Briscoes this year, and I saw I saw something in the Briscoes that I don't see in other tag teams as much. I'm noticing that with the Briscoes, there is a hell of a lot of impact to every one of the moves that they have. I don't know if they do that via their weight. I don't know if they're doing that via the way they hit certain parts of the ground harder or whatever they're doing, maybe just a little more effort. But I love the impact that they have with those. Uh, five minutes in and we had light tubes introduced to this match. So we knew this death match was going to start getting, uh, involved fairly quickly. The, uh, Briscoe brothers split screen technology <laughs> as KG has said, has now entered. So now we're looking at split screen, even for the, uh, Briscoe's Macisos match. I'm really happy to see that. Obviously a fan. Um, this is awesome. And GCW chants were all over the place. The crowd was really into this match from the beginning. Um, what about your thoughts on this one? No, I am glad to see the Briscoes come back because after the Hammerstein show, I was also a little worried there because I know Jay tweeted out something afterwards, like complaining about not enough time. But with the Briscoes, you can never tell if they're in character or out of character for the most part, especially when they do their stuff online. Um, so I was always a little worried since then, like how their um, relationship was with GCW since then. But they have come back a couple different times and it seems to be, hey, they understood that it was a pay-per-view. They got on a time crunch. Unfortunately, they were the ones that suffered. But luckily, they've been in this game long enough and they've seen a lot of uh, 
some bad shows going on where this is probably nothing compared to what they've had to deal with in the past in some other companies. But um, speaking of them and other companies, going back to how you said their impact and their moves, yeah. I think that's kind of like the Ring of Honor kind of way. If you go back and watch like the Ring of Honor shows, we know they're just stiff, yeah. hard hitting. Like we're this is like yes, it is a theater show. Yes, it is predetermined, but we're not going to make it. That is not that thought's not going to be in your mind when you watch the Briscoes, the Brian Danielsons, the Samoa Joes. Like they are bringing it, they are hitting you. It's yeah, we might know who's wins, but we're both going to be feeling it at the end. And I, that's where I love the Briscoes. Like they are come always bring it all the time. Like I could always expect them to give out their one hundred and ten percent. They know what to do with the crowd. They have the in-ring abilities to get over with the crowd as well. I just think like Briscoes as a whole presentation, the names, the Briscoes, the look, the moves inside their style. I think they are a complete package. I was very excited when they first came to GCW. That was a big shock to me at the same place. The uh, um, Showboat Arena is when they, or Showboat Venue is where they first made their uh, GCW debuts. And I just love seeing them in a GCW ring, I think. They are, were a perfect fit of any other wrestler from an outside company coming in and adapting well to the GCW style, like kind of like how Moxley does. I think the Briscoes was, this is, I think this should be their home because this was a match made in heaven and this match against Los Macisos, like I was excited. This match delivered. I love the complimentary styles they both have where it doesn't, it gets crazy, but it doesn't get deathmatch crazy. But you could see like they definitely feel the impact from all these moves and uh, I just love seeing both these all four competitors. Like I feed that to me nonstop. So there was a couple of high spots here. I want to go through that. I want to mention real quick. There was a nice door spot where Los Macisos put one of the Briscoes, you know, through a door here. Uh, minute 10, all of a sudden panes of glass are coming out. I'm sorry. A pane of glass was coming yeah. out. I thought there were two in my notes here had an S. Uh, <laughs> Miero then ended up going through the glass. It was it was a thick piece. I mean, you could literally see chunks on the ground much thicker than than the stuff we normally see. Uh, the Briscoes had a great doomsday device, then turned around and did a second doomsday device through a door. Those were just fantastic, exciting moves. Um, I wanted to hit you with another question, if you're ready. You ready for this one? Yeah, can I just hop on those two plates real fast, and I'll take your question? Yeah, throw it back to me after that. Yeah, man, go so for it. So I saw the glass come out, and I'm like, oh, my God, the brisk!" Like Then it immediately clicked as I was saying it in my head out loud during the show. I'm like, oh, my God, the Briscoes are going to do glass. Oh, no, the Briscoes aren't going through the glass. Like yeah. They don't do glass or light tubes. I think they did do light tubes in this match, which was surprising. I don't think I've ever seen them really do light tubes. It's more the doors, the chairs, and stuff like that. But I immediately thought, yeah, of course, uh, someone from Los Macisos is going through that pane of glass, not a Briscoe. And as you said, I think it was Ciclope that went through it. Like That kind of was what I thought would happen. And those doors, as you said, they're thicker. I think they, they use shower doors, if I remember what KG said correctly. Those were shower yeah. doors. So that yeah, was interesting. Like had a glaze. Yeah, that was an interesting little wrinkle to those glasses doors and to kind of see like the thicker, the thicker pieces, how they would, as we always see the tables, like, yeah, you can't break these Japanese tables. I was kind of interesting once he said shower doors and I saw like you did too, the, they were a little bit thicker. I was wondering like, yeah. how hard is someone going to have to go through that? Is that even more dangerous? Is it even safer? I don't know the logistics when it comes to that, but seeing those doors, I was, and I was very intrigued to see. Are the Briscoes really going to go into the GCW style and go deathmatch? Uh -huh. But I kind of figured Los Macisos would. But yes, hit me with that question. I love hearing the questions. Okay, so here we go. Knowing 
that Vince turned down the Briscoes because of their look in the WWE. Now that we have Triple H at the helm, do you think Triple H would be a Briscoes kind of guy? Uh, would uh, they fit in what you think Triple H will be looking at going forward, especially since we've seen a peak through NXT? I think. Well, well, let's be fair. Vince probably okayed everybody who came through NXT, whereas Triple H has has the you know he has more of the reins now. Yeah, I think so. he trusted Triple H, but I, if you honestly go back and ask, like, I think I've even heard interviews like these NXT guys get called up and like Vince, like, who the hell are you? Like, I, he doesn't even pay attention to his own NXT product yeah, per se. That's but sad. but I obviously you get the okay, but I think he. Triple H earned, obviously, earned the trust to like, hey, I know what to do with these talents when I get them. That's why I'm asking this. While you might not know much of them, I know how to do it. And obviously, he proved that in NXT. And then these NXT people go to WWE and like lost because Vince doesn't know what to do with them. I could see definitely no in Vince's WWE. In WWE now with Triple H, I, I would say no just because of their age and their style nowadays. I think that's why I was kind of saying they're a perfect fit for these, for the GCW. I think they have now, because they've been doing it for so long, where if they, if you hired them, maybe even five, six, seven years ago, I think they've been killing it because they're with the ring of honor, more in ring, more technical, more striking, like not the extreme shit where if yeah. they go in now, I think this is kind of like with their comfort zone. As you get older, you can't do all the other cool moves. So sometimes you have to bring in a chair door to still get over with the crowd. Not saying that they need it. I just think they've got into that comfort zone where I would not want to see them in E. I don't even want to kind of want to see them in AEW, to be honest with you, because I yeah. like seeing them in these kind of style matches against Los Macisos with chairs, with doors, with the fuckery going around. I like to see them get creative with that kind of stuff. So, so then, be oh, so, okay. So I forgot to give you this dimension and I maybe should have said it, but Knowing that with this change, they also need they're also dealing over at WWE with a thin tag team roster. Yes. I was thinking, would they bring would Triple H bring them in to help all the new people he's probably going to have to bring through if he's going to bolster a tag team division in the WWE? That, now, I don't want to get too deep into it. My, my, I oh, mean, yeah. that's really going deep into WWE talk. But I just wondered, you know, with, with the current situation, if they would bring the Briscoes in just as veteran talent to do a couple things. Um, but again, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was a good question. I, like, I think years ago it might have been it. Now, like I said, nowadays, I think they just hit their comfort level. They're enjoying what they're doing, especially yeah. doing these kind of matches. Um, I just, and their look is... I would get kind of afraid if you look at, let's say the the whatever they call it now the, I always called oh my god Raider Viking Raiders whatever they are now, well, old uh -huh. war old old Warhammer like uh, Eric and Ivar like I I would get kind of nervous seeing them like seeing how because like, they used to be Ring of Honor too seeing how they were treated in WWE now Triple H treated them good obviously in NXT but then you get to yeah. WWE and stuff. So, I mean, I think they would be more open to it with Triple H, but I just think nowadays, unless they're looking they're for that scheduled. one big money grab too, they're like, hey, yeah. like we we never got that big money grab as all these other people did. We were true to our roots. We stayed with Ring of Honor, and now this is kind of what's still gotten them over with the fans and a more hardcore independent wrestling scene would understand them where if they hop in WWE, they no one might know who they are, so they kind of had to start the rebuild and stuff like that maybe. And I don't think they want to be putting the younger groups over. I think they're enjoying what they're doing now of 
having these matches with crazy veterans and mixing it up with the young people. Like, I, I don't think I've we've seen Briscoes versus Jordan and Nick. I would like to, like, that would be a good test of see, like, hey, do you still got it in ring without the extreme stuff? Then, yeah, maybe they could go to a bigger company. But I just, I prefer seeing the GCW uh, version of the Briscoes in uh, my own personal opinion. But I wouldn't be I against just... them going to WWE. No, 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 no. Um... Now. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be against them doing it. I think one of the big disqualifiers for them would be the fact that they would be on the road. There would sure. be so much on the road, on the road BS. You know, one of them just had a child a couple months ago. Yep. And I mean, the more children that ha you have, the more anchors you're going to have to being at home every night. But he al and they also so, might want to take that guaranteed money. That's a bigger payday than what they're getting now, too. So that's some does, do. Yeah, sure. some do. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't. uh I wouldn't put it against them to do it either. Uh, overall, though, we had new winners, man. Yes, uh, that Los Macisos reign that I was so excited to see was uh, surprisingly cut short as the Briscoes win as uh, Jay Briscoe hits the Jay Driller on a chair, I believe it was against uh, on Ciclope, if I remember correctly. But um, the Briscoes ended up, ended up picking up the win, like I said, surprisingly, in my opinion, because... They were just champions not too long ago. Los Macisos finally got the W. Oh, W. You now you got all that WWE talk. Got me talking sorry, about it. Sorry, man. No, it's all good. The GCW tag team titles. They just got it and they lost it. Then that was a shock to me. I didn't really like it. And I thought, okay, maybe this is, as I was saying prior, maybe a, a makeup of, hey, since you guys lost the tag titles, that Hammerstein to Nick and Matt, and it was such a short match, maybe here's our way of, hey, we're going to give you another chance and do a better run. That's how I was looking at it immediately right after the match. But um, after the match, we see uh, some more challengers possibly that want to have a say in the GCW tag title scene. As yeah. SGC hits the ring and the crowd goes nuts. As all four competitors from the Briscoes and Los Macisos are still in the ring. SGC now walks down to the ring. No pun intended. Um, and we see... The Briscoes in the ring going against SGC. And the SGC is challenging the Briscoes as the new tag team champions. We won our match. We lost the belts too. We were just recent champions. We won our titles back. And then Los Macisos surprisingly got on the mic, which I love. Thank God, Ciclope. Like, that was awesome. I love seeing Ciclope yes. get some mic time. And he killed it. I love the Los Macisos. Like I said, I cannot say enough good things about them. I'm so glad they're back. But then they say, hey. We just lost it. We get the next title shot. So then now we see a possible triple three-way triple threat tag team title action coming up in our near future. Or as we see a big uh, show coming up, they allude to as possibly that's where a place that they could settle it at the Art of War games. So I, yeah. what do you think about the tag team scene now with this new wrinkle being thrown in here? Okay, so right now we're looking at Blissey. Uh, we're looking at a potential Oliver Wayne upcoming i do know that as soon as we get the opportunity and we're going back to detroit we're looking at motor city machine guns oh i forgot about that oh my god yes yeah so we've got los mestizos we've got the briscoes and uh i mean who else do we have here is there anybody else just off the top of your head that travel through that we see often uh those were the five or six biggest names that you said that i could think of okay that are normally and more especially Jordan Nick Wayne more recently been a tag team. 
I would like mm-hmm. to see them possibly maybe if they do at a tournament or whatever, as we can see here, they're doing already war games. I would like to see maybe someone in two, a tag team in JCW get a chance and prove a Ooh, point. Interesting. Or someone from LA fights, a tag team, the South Pacific oh, Savages. get a The chance. Savages is yep. another one, man. Joey we weren't Jan- even thinking about that. Joey Janela and Starboy. We'll see what they do against the Savages. Maybe they could be thrown into this match. I think they have a lot of possibilities if they kind of want to throw some makeshift talent into a tag team. But I kind of, for this big match, which seems that we're going to be getting, um, I would like to see the more veteran, but the more normal, they're always tag team, the more like veteran tag teams kind of get that shot as they've been a tag team for longer instead of throwing these teams in here. But those are some other tag teams, like I said, I would maybe like to see in that title picture more often. You know, uh, Bussy was the first tag team that was put together that I was like, huh? What? What? I mean, really, how's that going to come on? Here we go. First night out, I'm like, it's a joke. They're not bad. Second night, third night they go out. I'm like, wait a minute now. They're, I think they're taking this seriously. So Bussy was the first time that I had seen that there is the possibility in GCW that most any performer could be put with another performer if done properly and be a solid tag team if they know how to work with each other. Yeah. And luckily, Bussy did that. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that because I don't know who may pop up. And, and I mean, I could try to put some people together in my head. There's some wicked Lucha uh, tag teams. That oh, could be yeah. Put we together. didn't even talk about Gringo Holy ASF. Uh, if they want to bring back. Um, uh, Give me Gringo Commander. Yeah, Commander, Laredo put Kid. Put team. Black Taurus, like or Black Taurus, like ah, yeah. There's a lot that could be done here. Bandito, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Bandito, dude, yeah. There's there's some real there's some real choices out there. If we really uh, if we really wanted to throw some people, I mean, if they wanted to do ten teams, you know, surprise us with one outside team, and I think we have a solid eight. We could probably put another one together for fun somewhere. Yeah. And we didn't even That's talk about answer, one of the yeah. other teams in here because at this point in the show that we're covering didn't get announced yet. But as you said, there's a couple more teams that would want to have a say and they want to get involved here. And I just think it's a pretty cool concept since last year as going into war games, Art of War Games, we had the big 4-4-0 going against SGC or the MDK group, whatever they would be called with uh, Nick, Nick Gage and stuff like that. We had a big storyline going into, hey, this is our big blow up. This is Art of War Games. And I know a couple, maybe it was like a week before this or maybe a couple days before Homecoming where they announced like, hey, we are going to Chicago. We are doing Art of War games. I was very interested. Like, what are you going to do with this War Games? What group, like Art of War Games, you need a lot of people, not a lot of people, but it's not just a one-on-one and a double ring with this craziness going on. Like, you need a lot of competitors, but what storyline is being told here that would fix all these competitors together to make a good out of war games match. And so I was very confused with that, but this very much laid the groundwork as out of war games. We are going to be seeing a tag team title match or the GCW tag titles. We will introduce the other people that get involved in this match um, at the art of war games. When we cover GCW homecoming night two, as uh, they had another tag match there and a very, very similar situation as what happened at this match. The competitors are in the ring and then we got a new other team that came out and they want to lay uh, claim to their stake at winning or getting a chance to win the GCW tag match or tag titles. I'm kind of I'm more excited now 
that, that we kind of see what the art of war games is going to turn into and um be in that kind of style match i think so far the teams that when we announce all the teams that are in it so far i think those are the perfect people because of the deathmatch kind of aspect of the art of war games where it yeah. becomes a little bit more dangerous with all the fuckery which i loved seeing that last year i was so excited i'm like oh my god not only is the art of war games but we're gonna have a deathmatch art of war games with all 10 of these crazy fucks in the ring like that were willing to do anything and anything to win the game or win the game win the match like i loved seeing that so seeing the competitors kind of announced for this art of war games makes me feel like we're going to st- still see a lot of crazy deathmatch action and lots of lots of blood yeah uh this is one of those things where i was really curious about the macisos run i really do think that this was a situation where the briscoes were given the win uh and they didn't want to do it over pussy to keep the heat off of them so that the briscoes could still look like faces that's the only thing i can think of and i'm i'm doing more uh thinking here i think eight's a better number than 10 for a tournament i i know i blurted out 10 oh yeah but uh i think that john wayne murdoch could also sit with cologne and be a wonderful team i think they're excellent I also think that uh, we saw Charlie Evans and Connors come up here later on the on the show. I think they would be a team that could jump in at least in the first round and and make sure that they hold their own as a team. And and I'm sure there may be a couple others we're missing. But as I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, shit, you know, I know that Murdoch would be great with someone. I wouldn't want to see Tremont with anybody. They're, They're going straight to the top. Yeah, that was another one I was thinking. Maybe throw in Nick, Gage, Rack. Nick Gage and Traymon again is what I was kind of thinking of originally at this point. I was like, oh, like all these different tag teams. And one day it just came to my mind. We were just talking about, you said Charlie Evans and Everett Connors. Well, I was just thinking, well, Everett yeah. Connors isn't too much into the deathmatch scene. We haven't seen too much of it, but. Sawyer Wreck. Sawyer Wreck is a good possibility. <laughs> I was thinking Arena. Seeing Arena. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That would be a good team. And Charlie Evans again. And Charlie Evans teaming up with uh, Arena. In the, going for the tag team title match, like that would be an interesting wrinkle to that match as well, in my opinion. But they have a lot more time still here. They did announce already who uh, is in the match, but like I said, we will cover that on our podcast when it gets to that time. We don't want to kind of spoil it, especially if you're listening to the show and haven't watched the show yet or seen anything on social media. We kind of don't want to spoil it for you. We'll spoil it for you in our episode when it's time. But yes. I'm excited now. I am more excited than what I was prior of uh, hearing the art of war games i was like what how many people are you going to get into it what is the reasoning for it but this is a very good reason to get all of these competitors into the ring fighting for the gcw tag team titles our sixth match of the evening once again is another title match which i love saying right now like even just saying it out loud it's like we're getting all these title matches this is feeling like the biggest show of the year for them this is something we've been clamoring for as fans especially us on this podcast we've been asking for this yep. so it's very nice when uh the fans get what we ask for but we had yeah. the gcw extreme title match as cole radrick defended it against charlie evans who's making her return uh i think they were in australia i think it was with uh everett connors but we see charlie evans return and i kind of didn't like how she kind of got like right away into it's a title match but with the way the ending booking indie booking goes i don't hate it it's kind of a special attraction match as well this one would have been a fun match even if it wasn't for the title but hey if you're gonna do this and someone already has a title figure out some way to justify it or just say hey she earned it 
She was in that tournament at NGI as we were talking about her and Rena possibly tagging her. And Rena killed it at NGI last year. And as we're getting closer to deathmatch season as well, with NGI possibly coming up here soon, um, in October we could possibly uh, see some more Charlie Evans and Rena Yamashita. Uh, Yamashita, sorry, I've been always saying her name wrong. Yamashita. Um, but I don't mind seeing Charlie Evans get this title, even though booking wise, psychology wise, it didn't make any sense. They definitely made it worth my while to forget about. Uh, any reasonable booking where it was just a fun, entertaining, extreme death match. So what was your thoughts on this match, John? Uh, I was really happy to see Charlie come back. It was really nice to see her receive a, a warm welcome from the fans. Uh, we were really, uh, really lucky that she got a title shot was what I put down in my notes. So you, you really touched on that. I won't go further from it. I just want you to know that we were kind of on the, uh, the same story, you know, the same page there. Um, Cole got a great reception you know, like he always does. So I, did, I didn't want you to think that it was just, you know, she was getting everything. No, it was face versus face. Great reception. Ratty daddy chance going all around the, uh, the arena there. Both performers were paying tribute to early deathmatch wrestlers. You could see it with their pants. You could see it in the outfits. So I really did feel like they were both putting their best feet forward for this. There were dueling Ratty Daddy versus Let's Go Charlie chants from the beginning of this match, less than two minutes in, and here we go with a thumbtack bat. Both are using it as a weapon. You see Ratty actually uh, wrestling with thumbtacks in his arms for a good chunk of the match from yeah. the spot, which is the first impact in this show. Yeah, seeing Cole Radjic wear those thumbtacks is uh always. So I I don't know. Nasty. I this is going to sound weird, like. I love watching Cole Radrick bleed. Like, I don't know. That's a weird statement to make, but he no. turns that blood into a performance of, Hey, this, uh, this is suffering. I'm suffering. This is real bad, but I'm going to, I need your guys' help as a fans to get me motivated again, to come back. Like him wearing the blood, I think adds another element to not only the match, but his, he now, Oh, he tastes his own blood. He now realizes he's in a fight and you start to see the different movesets, the more aggressiveness, the more risk he takes as he gets the blood. So I like seeing a bloody ratty daddy, even as fucked up as this sounds. (laughs) No, 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 not at all. So this is something we ended up talking about. I think one of our first shows uh, was the fact that with his complexion, with the fact that he knows how to play it up with the, uh, you know, he, he knows how to make his face look in a way where he's surprised or outraged. He just he makes bleeding look so damn good and so damn painful. And, you know, again, I think part of it is just the complexion. He's so pale. That red looks just looks good on that pale background. Uh, minute three, out come the light tubes. Oh, I forgot. This is a death match. So I, I'm remembering that I sometimes put out minutes for some of these things. But yeah, uh, minute five, a door to Charlie's face, which was just brutal. Uh, steel chair is now in play. Charlie gets busted with a light tube. Cole planted on an upside down chair. That was a sick little yeah, spot. Yeah, those spots bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Basically, for anybody who hasn't seen it, chair, uh, Cole took a chair, put it down on the ground, uh, and, and unfolded basically so you can sit on it. And then he took another one, unfolded it, and then set it directly on top. So what you're looking at is basically four spikes. <laughs> you know, and he was lucky he didn't go onto one of those, you know, legs, one of those spikes, but he got in the middle. But man, did it hurt like hell. <laughs> I was really happy to see in a death match like that, that, that there actually was wrestling instead of just a smack, smack, smack. And there was a hell of a lot of it. There really was. But they tried to make sure it wasn't just I hit you, you hit me kind of thing, because that wouldn't have went the whole 12 and a half minutes that this this match would have went. 
Uh, there was a point where Charlie uh, gets put through a door with an air raid crash. Kudos to Cole because that move looked absolutely excellent. You can see a point where at minute 11, Cole is bleeding real bad on his back. If you want to see how bad that match really, uh, how, how bloody that thing was going, his back told the entire story. Uh, Charlie smashed a light tube over her own head, which was part. Of, it was almost like her Rena moment where she yep. was kind of hulking out and doing her thing. Cole, towards the end of this match, then uh, started to answer and broke a ton of light tubes all over this girl's head. I mean, he she he just worked her over like crazy. Yeah, he like <laughs> that's what I was about to say too. Charlie had an interesting weekend too. <laughs> like she flew in for all this and she took a lot of damage, not just on this match, but she had a JCW match against Charles Mason and uh-huh. that was just brutal. Like I was like that would made me kind of uncomfortable to watch too. Like it was just stiff shots, but it added into that storytelling because of their history that they've had, but Charlie took a beating this weekend. So, it was kind of nice yeah. though. At least she's out the back in GCW doing the crazy death matches again because she's been doing really good with these death matches lately in GCW. And as you were saying, as there was a lot more wrestling, I think that's why not I think that's why I love GCW, especially in their death matches more than other companies because we see a whole level of death matches where it's not like mm-hmm. you said, just oh I hit you with the tube hard or I could do this or I could do that. Like you actually see wrestling and it's a meaningful wrestling that incorporates the deathmatch into its wrestling. Instead of just wrestling around and then doing deathmatch, just bang, 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 they incorporate wrestling into the deathmatches where I could do, like as Cole Radrick did, throw in a light tube on Charlie, go on the outside, get the little bounce off the knees and do the flip onto Charlie, onto the uh, light tubes. I'd love seeing the, that's where the creativity, and that's where, in my mind, and I think KG, I've heard it say before, or if not, I've heard other, like even announcers say like, that's what sets GCW above and beyond in my eyes in deathmatch wrestling because they incorporate wrestling. And as like all the deathmatch wrestlers I like, Alex Cologne does the same thing. Segura from Japan did the same thing. Like I love yep. seeing a reason and a motivation behind why why you do the wrestling and incorporate the deathmatches, uh, deathmatch setting into it. And going back to like yeah, it's Cole Radrick's uh, facial reactions. I did one. I did. Make a note of that. That was one of my notes. I totally forgot to go over back to the Nick Wayne match, the first match of the night. He has uh-huh. improved tremendously in his facial reactions to tell a story, to tell the crowd how much pain he's in or how much shock that that move didn't finish the job. Cole Radic and Nick Wayne uh, have been absolutely telling very good stories using facial uh, mannerisms, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I was really also surprised that Charlie hung in so well, especially being her first match back. I really didn't know if she would be just winded or if she was going to be sluggish. So I really thought that was excellent. This was a great cold defense. I think this was his second defense. Yep. Not 100 percent sure. Yep, you're right. So, the, yeah. OK, so, yeah, this was really cool. When this match was first announced to me, I really thought this was a curveball. I really didn't know what was going to happen in this one. I just noticed that I, 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 I really didn't know what to think. I thought Charlie was just going to come out and just completely beat the shit out of him. And Cole was going to come out of it looking good. And Charlie was going to have kind of a soft ish match back uh, from, you know, from her time off. Yeah. Like a warm up match or yeah, absolutely hey, get, get, get back into the flow kind of match. Yeah. And that certainly wasn't the case. This was like dropping her straight into cold water and just, here you go. 
Yeah, and actually, I was wrong too. It was actually Cole's first offense. I was thinking of the next night when he defended in the scramble. That was the same. Oh, oh, so yeah. oh, okay. But still seeing Cole, like, this is what we've been asking for. Champions are going to be on your show. Have them either wrestle and defend the title, or if you have them wrestling in a tag match or not a extreme match, at least have them wear the belt out there and do a special attraction match. And that still gets Cole over with the fans. Oh, he's our champion. He must be really good. And let him go out and do his thing, especially in Atlantic City where they kind of created the ratty daddy, the deathmatch ratty daddy. Like, you ain't going to miss an AC with uh, putting Cole Radrick out there in almost any kind of setting. So I love seeing Cole Radrick in the AC crowd. You know, I, I, I love Cole. Uh, but I'll tell you, I didn't know what kind of expectations to have. I know this is kind of going back a little bit on what I said. I really didn't know what kind of expectations to have. And this is another one where it really delivered more than I thought. I thought this was going to be, you know, with Cole. No kidding. With Cole, sometimes, especially when it's more the death matches and things like that, you're looking at an under 10 minute match half the time. You really are. And uh, this one went 12 minutes and it was just much more than I expected I would have got. And if I wrote it, I really did write it that Charlie was just going to kick the shit out of Cole. And it was way more offense. Uh, or it's way more offense that Charlie had absorbed than I expected her to take. Yeah. Like I said, she was, <laughs> she took a beating this weekend, but I was glad to see Cole. This was like, as you said, as we were saying, this was like being his first offense. This is his time mm -hmm. to shine. Hey, you, like you're the champion. Here we go. You're back home. You have, we're putting every possibly thing, any possible success that you could have. We are putting it behind you right now as our champion in Atlantic city and homecoming, the biggest weekend that we have, like going against Charlie Evans, who is coming back, who might take some of that as it did happen. Some of the chance away from Cole Radrick, it still shows how much he's won over the GCW crowd, the AC crowd where he still did overcome um, the Charlie chance and still kind of end up being shown as the, at a better, um, better light than Charlie was in this match. And I think that's where he had to step up and earn that. And he very much did. And I'm very excited to see what his, um, hopefully long defense, uh, tenure as champion would, uh, what is in store for us as the champion? I, I think they could do so many things as him as champion where they could do it in scrambles. They could do it in death matches. He has a lot on his plate that he could sit there and take over. And I, I'm excited to see what happens with Cole Radish, especially as his reign continues. Hopefully the growth will continue as well. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that with his uh, with his title reign that we see people like John Wayne Murdoch and others come through to where it, it also strengthens the title. Yep. I, I think that that would be something I'd like to see. So I know we were uh, we were kind of holding this off, but the winner ended up being Cole Radrick. He uh, dropped onto a bundle of tubes and rolled her up and boom, winner. Uh, really quick, really, really quick uh, ending. The one thing I wanted to mention was at the very end of this match, my buddy, Charles Mason, <laughs> uh, shows up and starts choking out Charlie. And I mean, he really puts it on her for quite a while. And then boom, out comes Edward, goes to save her. And Mason doing what Mason does, he runs away. Yes, I'm actually actually surprised that they kind of went back to the storyline because I thought they kind of had their whole blow up to the story at the end of uh, last year because mm -hmm. um, it was pretty much the same thing. Charlie or they came, Charlie came back. 
Charles Mason choked her. Everett saves her. Next time, Charlie or Charles Mason chokes out Everett. Charlie saves him. It just seems like they kind of rehashed something where they could have done something different with Charles Mason and as get a different opponent. Still, maybe do the same thing, but as a different opponent, as to freshen it up. Where like when I saw that, I was like, "Why are we doing this again?" Like I, I didn't like. Like we always talk about spoilers. We always say Charles Mason's probably one of the best ones that they got waiting in the yeah. wings right now as to be their next big hateable heel that spoils everything. I was just very disappointed them seeing them kind of go back to a story that's already been told and already happened. So I, I that that did kind of sour me at the end of this match where I would wish there would be some more freshness, some new material going on. But there was a reason for this happening because later that night on uh the weekend or homecoming weekend night one they did have a show later on the jcw show where it was charlie going against charles again and that's where i was saying like it was that match was pretty brutal to watch because mason was knocking the shit out of charlie like there's no other way i could say it like i was kind of uncomfortable watching it while charlie as you said she can hold her own she takes a beating yes she she takes a beating but she keeps on going and coming back but i do like seeing everett connor's back i do like seeing charlie back i do like seeing Charles Mason come out doing what he did. I just wish those three would kind of separate from each other for a while, a long while, because that's been a long story told, and I just didn't like how they came back to it. So that was kind of like my only little negative on the kind of the whole night was this a repetitive story that just happened. Going on to match number seven of the evening, we have John Wayne Murdoch going against Matt Tremont, and this was a spotlight match in my opinion like i uh, i was listening to the gcw world of death match podcast i believe they these two have never crossed past one-on-one and if so it hasn't been for a long really? time as far as far i can remember that conversation that alex Cologne and Stephen a had i think they said maybe they've wrestled against each other in tag matches but maybe not one-on-one i don't know for sure on that situation i'm just that's something that came in my mind so i just knew that this was a special match for me because i've never seen it so even if it has happened it was brand new to me so i was kind of excited um i like seeing sean wayne murdoch like i don't want to say he's coming up even though he's kind of coming up in gcw he is actually like one of the top of the food chain in deathmatch wrestling going against probably another person that's was even higher than john wayne murdoch on top of the uh food chain and death matches and Matt Tremont. So I was kind of interested to see, like, here comes, as we saw with the Los Vecisos match, as we see with this extreme match, the uh, death match will continue. And I think they even made mention on commentary, like, hey, uh, you guys want your death matches, you're getting it at this last half of the show. You got your cool, fun moves at the beginning, now we're going to get violent, and the violence kicked in, and yeah, I was excited to see this death match, see how John Wayne Murdoch would hold his own with Tremont, <laughs> and I think it was a very good match. Uh, what was your opinion on it? Uh, my opinion straight out the gate was I was absolutely excited about this one. I know that both of these men, when it comes to getting hurt, bleeding, they don't, uh, I don't want to say they don't care. What I'm saying is, is that uh, they don't hold back. Yes. That's a good way to put it. And it's kind of funny because I've talked to both of them. They're both very nice guys. And so watching them be bad guys is uh man come on it's like you can see in when murdoch's face sometimes go back and watch the uh the last time where the rock and roll express were at evansville arena and you can see that john wayne murdoch was trying to get heat out there and he was just damn near smiling he was you know so he comes out to heavy booze which obviously is what you do with murdoch 
And of course, he gets in the ring and makes sure he reminds everybody that his name is not John Wayne <laughs> Pussy, which obviously starts the chant from the crowds. Uh, right after that, though, right after that, here we go with the bulldozer chants. And then all of a sudden you hear, ha, ha, ha. And I mean, it's just the crowd going, ha, ha. And of course, it just goes real quiet for a second. And then, boom, journey hits. Matt Tremont comes out and all you see him is he's got a chain around his neck. He's got a black hoodie on and he's got a barbecue fork in his mouth. I knew right off the bat that this shit was going to be bloody, dude. Yeah. And then they both get into the ring together. And the one thing I noticed, which I've not heard really anybody else mention, but both of the guys were bald as cue balls and they had fantastic freaking beards. I'd love to know how they get the body because I cannot get that body in my beard. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I heard that on commentary, too. I was just like, I never even thought about it that way. It's two bald guys yeah. with great beers. But um. Going off of like how you're saying John Wayne Murdoch as the heel, like sometimes you could tell like it's kind of hard for him to stay in that character. But I think he's like so good at it where he doesn't need to be that asshole to everybody, that big spoiler, the big mean guy. He'll just find yeah. ways in the during the match to piss you off on purpose. And it could be the littlest and quickest of things, but now he's got he's got you going against him. He does it so subtly. I love seeing how he kind of flows in between of, hey, I want the crowd cheering for me. I want the crowd going against me. I like seeing him weave in and out of those things because, as you said, he does that, but then the match continues and you start to root for him where you're not supposed to root for him, so he has to do something subtle to get you to hate him again. <laughs> but it yep. does become kind of hard to hate him when he comes out wearing the fuck ALZ shirt or the end ALZ shirt. Like, yeah. That right away is like makes it, for me, like, oh, okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. You, you have a good Absolutely. movement there. It's going to be hard to root against you because you believe in something that I think everybody believes in is something like that where – it's kind of hard to root and think you're a bad guy when you're coming out right away expressing those kind of thoughts and opinions. Yeah, you want to have a match that will have mixed emotions. Uh, try to have Murdoch versus Deppin. You want to talk about the hardest? Who in the fuck would you find? I don't know. That's a but, good one. Uh, so I'm going to kind of run down a little bit on how we do with the death match here. This is 11 and a half minutes. So I'm going to kind of run down what the most important parts are. And then we'll go ahead and talk about some more of this if, if we need to. But uh, minute one, we have gusset plates on two by fours. These guys start swinging them on each other like baseball bats. We're not even two minutes in and Murdoch gets put through a plate of glass. Uh, minute two, we have gusset plates stuck into Murdoch's head. Minute three, Tremont's chain being swung onto Murdoch, gusset put into Tremont's head, and a barbecue fork put into Tremont's head. That was a very busy minute. Minute four was light tubes on Tremont's back, fork into forehead and arms, entire plate of knives thrown into Matt's, also a very, very busy. Okay, that minute was busy. Uh, minute five, loose knives poked into Tremont's head. Murdoch is very safe. I did want to say that. Uh, bundle of tubes on Tremont. Minute six, gusset plates on Tremont light tubes thrown onto Tremont laying on the floor. Minute seven headbutts full on brawl. Minute eight Tremont thrown onto glass onto the floor. Murdoch slammed onto a glass on into a lot of loose glass. Minute nine Tremont put into a submission bites John Wayne Murdoch to get away. This is like kids fighting. I love it. And then minute ten light tubes onto Tremont's head. I mean a lot of them. Um, then onto Murdoch's head, yeah, then onto Tremont's head, then onto Murdoch's head, then onto Tremont's head, uh, which basically ended in John Wayne Murdoch with a superplex through light tubes. So it was an excellent win for John Wayne Murdoch. I just wanted to go kind of minute through minute because I feel like it really gives, uh, 
it really gives someone an idea of all the shit that was used. And um, wow, there was a lot used in this one. I just always assume when Tremont comes out, like I always just think maybe he's sitting at home enjoying himself, like just watching TV, having a cold beer. All of a sudden he sneezes too hard or unexpectedly just, a, you know, the sneeze that sneaks up on you and just <laughs> kind of rattles your body, cracks your back. Like, oh, what was that? Every time I see Tremont and that head of his, I, like the, that knot, that knot yeah. on his head, like I always just think it has a permanent hole where if he sneezes, like blood starts spurting out and stuff like that. Like <laughs> that, every time I see Tremont, I'm like, okay, I know that's going to start bleeding, but when, what's going to be it? And like now they've kind of used the forks. I've seen it get stuck in his head or the barbecue fork that he used this time. Like Tremont, I'm so glad he decided to come back, even though he's like, he's been phenomenal since he's been back too. Like, He's getting him, so you can see it too. He's gotten himself more in shape. He's willing to do some more of these matches. And I know he announced his retirement like a couple of years ago or maybe two years ago, but uh-huh. he got dragged yeah, the, out of retirement. Go the wrestling retirement. Yeah, correct, right? The, yeah, yeah, I'm retired. And then three months later, oh, never mind. I'm glad that he did it because he's actually like, whatever made him decide to come back, I think it was that Onita match was obviously like, hey, I'll come back for this, but I'm still going to go back in retirement. But I think he had so much fun with that. And obviously what he's done for gcw in the past and what brett probably said like hey if you're willing we could do this but like you don't have to do the deathmatch tournaments no more even though i think he still i think he even did like the last tournament if i'm correct or like he had two death matches back to back just for some reason that's sticking my head but i just love seeing him back even if it's a special like this is what i'm kind of saying like i kind of wish they would do for nick gage if he was still able to go at this kind of rate Raymond wrestles once a month for gcw maybe but that one match is always memorable. Always makes you like, like say like, Hey, I want to see him more, but we realize he's put his body through a lot where he doesn't need to do it more. It's like yep. Alex Cologne saying the quality over quantity where, Hey, if it's a one match a month and it's stuff like this, keep wrestling once a month. And I'm fine with that. And that's where I kind of like hope maybe they would do with Nick age, because I think Nick age, if he got himself into this, like how make Matt Tremont's taking seriously. And I know Nick Age is training with Jordan Oliver. We see the pictures and the videos all the time on social. Like Nick's is getting into shape and he's looking a lot better. And yeah. you think that maybe he made that comment, hey, if I got one more match, where maybe he might have one more run, or hey, maybe I don't need to retire, but I could do what Tremont's doing. Hopefully Tremont could talk him into it because I would love to see Nick Age Tremont like once a month, just even like, hey. First two weeks, we get Nick Age. Next two weeks, we get Tremont. And then it's still once a month for each wrestler where we get to see two awesome legends and death matches still doing what they do at a pretty good and high pace and um, quality that they are doing. It's not like they're slowing down. Where Nick Age, you could kind of see the slowing down, but I think that was more injuries and stuff like that. And same yeah, thing with Tremont yeah. before he re- re- did retire. He did settle down a little bit, but I think now with the reinvigoration, the new motivation the body's feeling better because they're in more better shape i think i would be absolutely down for seeing matt Tremont in a death match once a month going against a cole radrick going against john wayne murdoch going against alex glow and arena sawyer wreck like i love seeing the once a month stuff because it's perfect it gets my appetite for matt Tremont. yeah i got him i'm good for a little bit until he decides <laughs> to come back and i'll be super excited again yeah, I'd do Tremont versus Gage. I think that would be an excellent main event for a very important show. Maybe maybe a retirement match. I think that both guys are veterans and Tremont is so large he can help slow down the match that Nick may need slow down. I'm not sure because I mean he's admittedly saying, you know, I, I might only have so many of these in me. 
So why not, why not go slow, you know, hit a nice spot and, you know, breathe it out for 30 seconds on the floor. You know, you still did a hell of a spot. So um, the other thing I'm kind of curious about, which I don't care where it happens, if it's over at Tremont's H2O or whatnot. And by the way, Tremont's H2O is fucking on point too. great, great show over there. If you ever wanted to check out a, a good show over at his training area. Uh, Tremont versus Madman Pondo. If you want to talk about easy bleeders, yeah, I I don't know. I'm sure it's probably happened somewhere, but I'm sure it was not a technical affair. Who did Pondo? Uh, didn't uh Pondo? Didn't he come back at the collective? I believe he came back for he came match? back for somebody. I think Hoodfoot was in it, and that's yep, that's it. Yep. Somebody else, maybe. No, it was. A, I, yep, I now once you said who I remember because like they pulled out some crazy looking. Um, uh, I think it was like a thing full of cans and stuff like that. Obviously, the way that Madman Pondo does his crazy shit, like you know, he's always gonna bring out some crazy fuckery and stuff we never seen before when he comes and do, does his death matches. So yeah, I I do not remember it was was him against a uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. This this whole match, though, it was really bloody. I really respect both men because if you wanted to get a bloody death match, that was definitely a bloody death match. Um, just as always, I, I actually like this because I think it's a respect thing and they should do this more with veterans. Tremont gets those chants and he's cheered all the way to the exit. I honestly love that. I think more death matchers should get it. Just please don't touch them. They're probably hurting. I yes. see a lot of guys get slapped on their back or their arms on the way out. I'm like, shit, he just took a gusset plate over there. I think it was like so. <laughs> I think it was this match. I saw like as I think it might have been Trey, my walking by, like someone slapped his arm. Good job. And then like he looked at his hand as a fan. He's like, oh, my God, there's a bunch of blood here. Like, I didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> like, just instinct. Yeah, just instinct. A wrestler walks by I me. Mean, I got to give him a high five. I got to give him a pat on the back. Oh, wait, there's a whole bunch of blood. But this match was a fun one. Um, John yeah. McMurdoch hits the superplex through light tubes and defeats Matt Tremont. But, of course, the AC crowd gives Matt Tremont the respect and love that he deserves. Especially, like, as I said, like, I was talking about earlier fans. Like, Alex Sloan made a couple... Made, I, I'm, I'm repeating what Alex Sloan said on his podcast a couple weeks ago. was saying, like, it is kind of disrespectful. I'm, I'm in here with a light tube that could shatter and cut my organs or cut an artery. And I'm, I'm going to bleed out in front of you. But while I'm doing this for you... You're on your phone laughing and giggling and not even enjoying yeah. watching the show. Like that's where like I love seeing, like you said, the respect given to the wrestlers by the fans, by other wrestlers. I I'm a big mark for that. Like I I could see I know a lot of people hate like, oh, why did they shake hands? They just had a bloody mess. Like it's respect. Like you see that in all yeah. combat sports. Like I, that's why I kind of lose I think they lose their own argument. It's like, oh, like I hate you. Like there's obviously spots for it. It might be overdone on GCW independent wrestling, maybe. But is that really such a bad thing to show other people out there that I'm I'm it a I'm I'm going to that's what I was leading to. I'm a PE teacher and I'm started the school year last week. I've been talking with kids and like I've been telling them, we're gonna win, we're gonna lose. It's okay to win, it's okay to lose. We're just out here having fun. But obviously for them, they're out there risking their lives for everything and everybody. And we all want to see them more often. So we want them to see nice and safe. But when you lose, it's okay to shake hands and say, Hey, you were better. And you like it doesn't always have to be like yes. super competitive and masculinity and all that stuff. Like I'm all for sportsmanship and that goes through all the sports. Like I love seeing like in UFC, like these two guys, like yes, they could be playing it up to get 
They might not really hate each other as much as they say, but they got to do what they got to do to get the revenue in, to get the gate up, to sell the pay-per-views. They got to do what they got to do then. And then at the end, I love seeing them. If it's honestly, like if it's a real genuine and honest, hug each other, hug at the end of the fight. Show respect mm-hmm. and show a good job. I do like seeing, no, also like, hey, no, fuck you. You got lucky. It won't happen again. I don't like, I don't want to see your face. I don't want to give you the respect. You didn't earn it. You just got lucky. I do like seeing it both ways. I just don't like, yes. I hear a lot of people just shit on that lately. It's like, oh, we're seeing too much of the handshakes. Well, I understand it. I myself don't mind it. For our eighth matchup of the evening, we have our third title match as Alex Cologne is defending his GCW ultra violent title going against Rina Yam. Mashida, I almost got it wrong again. I've always got, always said <laughs> Yamashita. It's Yamashita. I'm going to try to get it right. So Alex Cologne going against Rina Yamashita for the GCW Ultraviolet title. And this one was, ended up being way better than I thought it would be. I thought it would be a nice, good, violent death match. But mm-hmm. I think the AC crowd definitely helped out with this match and especially how much they got behind both competitors, but especially Rina on a lot of these false finishes and close calls. Uh, what was your opinion on this match, John? Uh, this was exciting just for a match just to look forward to. This was freaking exciting. And then to see this was towards the end of the night. I knew that they were going to probably give this more breathing time. This ended up being a 21 minute match. So this was obviously given a lot of breathing time. De- uh, deservedly so. These, these are both great deathmatch wrestlers. Uh, both were welcomed 100% by the fans. When Cologne comes in, he gets streamers, light tubes, and glass lines the ropes before we even start the match. GCW chants break out in the crowd before that match even starts. Uh, minute one. Rena was hit with the first light tube. Cologne was hit directly after her. They both start to uh, throw themselves down into light tubes. You know, the, the classic yeah. thing that Rena's been doing so far. She kind of, you know, throws her back down. And I like I like when Rena does that because like sometimes she'll go for the pin like as a quick little surprise. I like that little spot. But I also kind of like it when she doesn't do it because it's not expected every time. I like how she keeps us on her, well, at least me on my toes every time that happens. If she's going to jump on somebody to pin him or not. Oh, dude, it is so exciting. And then directly after that, here we go. GCW chance again, just for popping down into that glass. Yep. Uh, minute number two, out into the crowd they fight. Uh, that was at least two, three minutes out into the crowd. Uh, number four, Rena has kind of taken to a fan, and the fan gets suplexed onto Cologne. And then Rena starts busting tubes over her head and eating tubes. <laughs> That took that took around two minutes. Minute six, we had Rena do a gory bomb. Oh, no, Rena was gory bombed into a pane of glass and it didn't break. He sent her head first in the second time and it finally broke. They had put it on instant replay and you could literally see the face hit and kind of smear before it broke. I don't know if you'd seen that yeah. part or not. Yep. Dude, that was vicious. Uh, minute number seven, Rena dragged her was dragged feet first through the glass. I always hate that move because I know that being dragged through glass means you're going to get shards up and underneath the skin. Sure. You know, from that point forward, we had Crimson Mask for Cologne. He's bleeding all over his face. Minute number nine, out comes Cologne's famous now uh, folding handsaw. Yeah, I know. So Rena yeah. ends up getting caught with that. She starts getting cut, starts going to different sides of the ring. The crowd's cheering for it. So she's getting cut up on all sides of the ring. That leaves minute 12. Cologne was curb stomped into glass. If you have a chance, please check that out. That was a crazy, crazy spot. 
Minute 13, a giant, a bundle of tubes was eaten by Rena. And then we had Fight Forever Chance and GCW Chance back to back. It was just, I mean, we're three quarters of the way in and there is so much that went on. We had two matches worth of deathmatch in one match. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, that was a, this was a fun match. Like I said, I had high expectations of it being like just like good, solid, nothing like crazy out of the ordinary. Cause I know they've been, both competitors can go crazy, but I haven't really seen Yamashita. This was the best she's ever looked in the ring, especially with Alex Cologne and the crowd definitely mm-hmm. carried it. I loved like those every, you can see every time Rita went for, uh, Rena went for a pinfall. You just see the crowd like, Oh, two, like they were, they were so behind her. It was, it was cool to see. Cause she is definitely like, I think even before she showed like her first match right away, she was one of those deathmatch wrestlers that, okay, they see crowd. We like you. You belong in GCW where we run the deathmatch shit and you definitely belong here with us. So I, I was, I liked seeing her in the ring, but I saw a new arena th- tonight and I loved it. And I'm glad hopefully this will turn into something of a more of a long-term uh, stay with us, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to real fast, that fan, I-, I remember reading on Twitter, I believe that fan picked her up was one of like the people that kind of helped out with the, <laughs> with the picking up the wrestlers from the airport and taking them to the hotel and making sure, you know, like, you know, it's like we've seen so, like some of the people we talked to have gone over and like done the picking up of people from airports and yeah. stuff. So this was kind of cool. Like, Hey, because you did that. And obviously they're a trained rest, not trained, but they probably are still training to be a wrestler. So that was kind mm-hmm. of a cool little, Hey, thanks for doing that hard work for us. I got a quick little spot for you in this match and for the suplex. And we will see more of that uh, same gentleman the next night when we do homecoming night <laughs> part two. And another thing you said with the handsaw, I think uh, Alex Cologne is turning that into his version of the pizza cutter, which I think is kind of yes. cool. I think you're dead on about that. I didn't even think about that. You know, you have a real good point there. Holy mackerel. It's yeah. just something easy, you know? simple, and nice, easy, quick, cheap pop. So, yeah, like it's it. a hell of a lot easier to carry in the pocket without hurting yourself. For sure. <laughs> That's why I always uh, wondered how people did it with the skewers and still wrestled 15 minutes before the skewers get out. It's like, how do you that uh, not poke you? I watch that all the time. I'm like, even in the boot, I'm like, how in the hell is that not poke you in the ankle? Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all these guys, I see all the time, you know, like when they would carry blades in the wrist. Yeah, like how too. in the hell did you just not get that risk go wrong once or twice? Of course, they know how to do it and we yeah, don't. That's why they're professionals but, and we are sitting here talking about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So again, we're 21 minutes you know, total. We're 16 minutes in here and then Cologne was forced to eat a mouthful of glass. And then Rena had Cologne by the balls, which was a great move. And uh, Cologne tried to get Rena and that <laughs> Very obviously <quickly>. didn't work. <laughs> I love that. He's yeah. like, eh, OK, that ain't going to work. Yeah, and then a lot of back and forth up until minute 19. That's where Cologne hits that top rope styles clash onto a pane of glass. Fucking fantastic move, dude. Yeah, and, um, and that need, uh, that's what just popped in my mind, too. I forgot to, like, they, when uh, Cologne was sitting on the top rope and had the uh, light tube behind Rena's neck and, like, was holding on to the light tubes controlling Rena and brought her into the, his knee. That knee shot yeah. was vicious. That was that one made me go, oh, crap, is she all right? But she's a tough woman, that's for sure. Yeah, she took an impact there, dude. That was that was incredible. Yeah. Um, my last two minutes, of the, uh, two minutes of the match here in my notes, it pretty much just says glass flying everywhere, GCW chance again and again. So, I mean, this was really a great match. Um, holy mackerel. Uh, 
anything else you have to say before we announce no, the winner on this one, no, man? The one thing I wanted to say is like I know earlier than I was saying maybe like Blake Christian and Tony Deppin might have been the match tonight, but then later on we get Los Macisos going against the Briscoes. That one could have been up there. I think this one though overtook them all. And for a co-main event, or not co-main event, but a semi-main event, this mm-hmm. uh was a show stealer. They both came out with something to prove. I really liked how Alex, um, I know we've kind of talked about, like he's kind of mentioned before in the uh, World of Deathmatch podcast that he was thinking of taking a break. And it sounded like to us, I know when we kind of talked about it, it sounds like, man, he like, is he retired? Is he unhappy with stuff? And he's just unhappy with the politics. And I can understand that. And I think uh, after this match, he released another World of Deathmatch podcast talking about how this weekend of matches kind of is like, hey, yeah, this is going to be a short break. It's not going to be as long as I originally thought. I was losing my love there, but I put on two great matches. The crowd was behind us. I, I'm i still good at what I'm doing, so this break is not going to be as long as I thought originally. So that's a good news, I think, for us GCW fans that we're going to see more yeah. Alex Cologne, thank goodness. So just take your break, heal up, and come back. And I can't wait for him to come back. And... um. Yeah, the winner of the match and new GCW Ultraviolet Champion Rina Yamashita as she actually used Alex's cologne as own finisher in the camel clutch and used it to her advantage and made cologne tap out. And that tap out, that was one of those ones where I'm glad it wasn't. He just, instead of trying to show weakness and tap out and give up, like usually that instead of them doing that, they'll just pass out and then... Like, yep. hey, I never tapped out. I, I should be the winner. I didn't give up. My body did. I love the tap out because you just see the crowd erupt. And whoever had the blowhorn, like, for the most part, that's kind of annoying. But that was a perfect spot. I just remember he, uh, Rena won. And then the guy, who whoever was using the blowhorn, you just hear it go off. And I just thought that was, like, a cool visual. I saw on Twitter one of the photographers that's used at these GCW shows kind of posted, like, that last 30 seconds of – the match and Rena winning and the crowd popping, but you kind of got to see it from their point of view. And that was mm-hmm. pretty cool scene since obviously we weren't there. So kind of put us, put me in the moment of, wow, that was incredible. And that was one of those moments where the ACW, uh, ACW, the AC crowd definitely uh, stepped up and made it a memorable moment for GCW. You know, they really did book a dominating finish for Rena. So I'm hoping that that means we have a real strong uh, running, long running champion here that, you know, has a strong uh, showing. There was uh, there were streamer uh, streamers flying for Rena at the end. That was cool. I'm a streamers person. Yep. Anybody who knows or have listened knows I'm a streamers person. Streamers are very Japanese, so I thought it was very nice that you know she had finally gotten her streamers yes. once this was all over. And then when it comes to the fact that they got that ba- uh, that belt passed on to her, I really just want to say for the second time now, because we got to see her birth in Vegas, but for the second time, 100%, I want to tell Rena, welcome to America. She's really, you know, she's really out there kicking ass. Yes, and with that being said, I believe uh, Alex Colon mentioned this on the latest World of Deathmatch podcast, that Rena's actually going back to Japan uh, shortly here soon, and she will be defending yeah. that belt in japan and i'm kind of interested this could kind of bring up a uh talking point here that i know we didn't really discuss so i might be kind of springing it on you here but i just thought about it as we were talking about mm-hmm. this um they made uh i don't know if commentary may mention but i know on the uh, gcw patreon the world of death match they've talked about alex clone talked about rena whenever she's in japan they don't like she's never won she's never beat anybody she has tagged with other men and 
she has won the tag match, but she's never actually been the one that gets the cover. It's always been her mm-hmm. male counterpart. And as well in Japan, she's always taken all the losses. So she's never won. This was like her first time really beating a male. And I, not, I think she she beat a couple people during the uh, NGI and TOS and stuff. But I mean, like, I think this is going to be huge. And this was going to kind of see what maybe Freedoms or uh, BJW. I forgot which one she's wrestles for mostly, but kind of see how they're going to treat a champion from GCW uh being a female mm-hmm. and if she's going to be allowed to keep on defending it and maybe winning some more matches there and maybe that will kind of break a barrier uh especially an overseas barrier of letting some women beat some men because it's it's a different different countries different stuff going on but i'm kind of interested to see what happens to the ultra violent title when it's out in japan and see if rita will still get some victories and that will like i said break break news of probably in Japan as being a huge moment for Japanese wrestling, especially Japanese deathmatch wrestling. But I kind of, I really like how Brett doesn't, doesn't see that. Doesn't see, he sees the talent regardless of male, female or whatever. A, like he promotes the, age. The, yeah. Age or not. Yeah. He just like, Hey, you got to run right now. You're, you're talented. We're going to push you. We don't care what you've done in other companies. Like I trust you to represent GCW well in Japan. So I'm, I'm interested, interested to see, how that plays out over the next couple of weeks, months, or however long Rena holds on to that GCW ultraviolet title. No, okay, it's going to happen here. I'm going to say maybe at some point Japan, uh, Japan's on the menu for GCW. They are. I know they are going to Japan here in a couple months. Because that's got to be great money. It's got to be great money. Yeah, I think in September they go to UK. October, I know they do like a quick little weekend. Mexico, um, right? In Mexico, and then I believe they are they are going to Japan. I know that for sure because I remember Alex saying like, "Hey, like that will probably be his last run in GCW that Japan run before he takes his break." So I do know that Japan is up in their near future. Dude, that 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 would be absolutely fantastic. I won't I won't uh, I won't be missing that. Uh, I'll play Booker for a second. I think it would be really cool for Rena to go over there and maybe find a couple other GCW guys that would be willing to go early. And maybe disrupt a couple shows as a faction, yeah, and then do a small invasion over there. But again, that could be expensive. Yeah, and so that'd be kind of cool because, like, like, hey, since you guys aren't giving me the respect this new company is, and you're going to be working with this new company, we're going to show you what <laughs> how to treat Rita and like come out, like you said, to do a little another invasion kind of thing and disrupt and raise some yeah. havoc over there. That would be interesting to see. Yeah, you know, and the whole passing of the torch on this one, the passing of the belt on this one was really interesting because, you know, Rena had the belt just for a quick moment there towards the end. And then Cologne actually took the belt from her hand. He he snatched it away from her. He was pretty forceful about that. And then he kind of went down to his knees. He he put the belt on the ground in front of him. I mean, he kind of looked over at that. I mean, he looked over the belt. He's really staring at it. He's almost, ble- you know, he's probably bleeding on it a little bit. Yeah. You can tell it really meant something to him. Yeah. And that's obviously why they did it. But at the end, of course, he he gets off of his uh, gets off of his knees there, stands back up and hands that belt over to her. Excellent show of respect. I think it was a great passing of the torch. I don't think it's over between those two. I think if he does take a breather, man, it's going to be right back to her. I hope it uh, isn't done between these two. Cause like I said, like I was excited. I thought it'd be a good death match, but uh, that the crowd reaction, I think, and the, the shit that they were doing, like that was incredible. They definitely stepped it up to another level. And I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I was like, I said, I was like, even on the edge of my seeing that Rita two count, I forgot what move she did, but I thought that was it. And the two, and I was like, I like, I caught myself like grabbing my head. I'm like, Oh, that was it. And then I'm like, uh-huh. Oh my God, I'm into this match. This is what wrestling's about. But I'm grabbing my own head. And I'm watching it from the, my 
my uh chair in my uh computer room just watching it and like man that was a great story was told there and i know alex cologne is a big big uh fan of rena and had a lot to do with probably getting her over here and stuff like that so i don't believe he had any problem dropping the belt obviously like it was kind of weird too though like she did grab the belt first and he yanked it from her usually it's like they already have the belt and then they present it to her but yeah i don't know if there was like a slip up there or whatnot but it was just like alex stone's like no i'm gonna be the one it's now your belt and i think he even said like he whispered to her like hey it's your shit now don't make don't make me look bad here like when you go to japan like this is your shit now you take control of it so i'm excited to see what happens overseas with that belt hopefully we get some maybe clips or match footages if it's being defended uh not on gcw programming obviously uh hopefully they, they kind of keep us updated on social media with kind of what's going on with that belt because i know when um i don't it wasn't drew parker when um takeda was over there we'd get like quick little updates but nothing like match clips or whatever so maybe mm -hmm. they could uh they could work something out over there where we could get some footage of uh what is happening with the ultraviolet title and and, and i like i said i'm interested to see hopefully cologne's break is short but he gets whatever he needs done take care of it get your health back to get mentally ready for it but i want to see these two keep a, keep it going maybe until the next uh death match tournament so i that was a good match great match and now on to our main event of the evening. We have the GCW world title being defended by John Moxley against GCW's own Effie. And once again, kind of going back to what we were I was talking about with Blake, I I am cool with Effie beating Moxley for the title. In my mm -hmm. eyes, I, I would prefer Effie more than Blake Christian because Effie's been busting his ass. He's not getting as much mic time as everyone else, but he's, even though he's not getting the mic time in the ring, he's been on social media, on his Twitch, on all over the place, promoting himself and Bussy and GCW and SGC. He's been out there doing all the hard work and all the groundwork and representing GCW really good. So I was kind of hoping, hey, this is the night. This is the rest. This is the biggest show of the weekend. This is their WrestleMania weekend. I was kind of hoping, hey. Give it to somebody who's been here, who's been busting his ass, been doing any and everything asked from him, and pretty much there every single week. And I was kind of hoping he would uh, be beating Moxley tonight or that night. So I was uh, very interested. My eyes were glued to this match. John, what was your opinion going into this match? <laughs> so I, I knew from, I didn't know how serious this match was going to be. I know what Effie's capable of. And I'm only questioning Effie's side because, of course, Effie is capable of going out there doing 10 to 12 minutes and really having more of a, a laugh kind of thing. You know, we're enjoying ourselves a couple of feel good moments. We, we, you know, we chant a couple of things. We cheer him do, you know, a couple of things and then we move on. So I didn't really know how much comedy was going to be. You know, was it 80, 20? at 50 50 so in this match right off the bat i have to say that just summing it up i would say that 35 to 40 percent of this was more comedy and i say that because um there was just a lot of it and there was extended portions and i won't go too far into it but i will mention them when we get to them but uh effie came out with ally at her side so i really thought that was nice yes, ally had the butterfly pants the adam page butterfly pants um, i missed that i must have to, i must have totally missed that one 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, they got streamers and I know somebody got the rainbow streamers. And as a streamer person, I know those are expensive. So kudos to them for getting the rainbow streamers. <laughs> Moxley came out in BCC gear, of course. Love that. Yes, love it. I uh, love that gear. Dueling chance for Effie and Moxley. New champ chance. Uh, very, very heavy Effie crowd. This group really wanted to see Effie win this thing. They, they felt it was time. And I think we saw a difference too, like when between the entrances, like this is all before the match even started as what you were saying. And we go back to the pre, the introductions and everything for Blake versus uh, John Moxley. You can see his Effie definitely had the crowd more than Blake did. Same with uh, even Tony Deppin. The crowd was super behind Tony Deppin, but yeah, I think with Effie, this was like, everyone thought this is the night bringing the belt back home. It's going to be Effie. Effie's going to be the one leads us into this new hopefully era or the future of GCW. And I, that's what I was rooting for. Like I said, I love Moxley. I'm cool with him champion. If he shows up once a month, but Effie in my eyes, like I, at, the, at that moment, I was like, if who else is going to beat Moxley? Effie, Effie is the perfect opponent right now. That could, they could hmm. do a lot with the coming up shows with GCW. So let's move Effie aside just for fun. I want to do something here. I know Oliver's your number one. Yep. Who's the next up and the number three for the people who should step up to Moxley? Um, who's number two and who's number three in your eyes? I kind of been saying Alex Cologne. Okay. It, because okay. I know he it won't be as crazy as a death match as Cologne is used to because there's no way that AEW is going to let Moxley go full on into it. And even then, I bet you they're having heart attacks watching these matches. I've seen some of the shit Moxley does. But I think Alex Cologne has probably was the one that earned it the most because he's been there. He's been the ultra violent champion. Hey, you lost it. I thought when he lost it to John Wayne Murdoch, I thought maybe that was his like, okay, you're up to the next level. Now you're up to the next step. And Moxley is it. Yep. He was the one I was kind of think and probably should be number one contender. Um, I Jordan, I don't think is quite yet that yet right there yet because mm -hmm. of uh, some of like that we were saying a little bit with the Blake, the more death matches, even though he has, dabbled into it i think with him and moxie it wouldn't be a deathmatch deathmatch it would be more hardcore which would be um way better for uh moxley to do that kind of stuff um with jordan uh, after alex cologne i can't think of really to be honest, off the top yeah. of my head right now like if i look at the roster i could probably do it but off the top of my head i'd say probably alex cologne if it, if effie were not to win it that night i would say alex cologne would should be the next one up because he's been there and he's He's earned it too, just like how Effie has, just like Tony Depp and I guess kind of like how Blake did, but mm -hmm. that would be mine. I, I I would say probably Cologne off the top of my head is the only one I could think of that probably is realistically deserves it. I think stylistically, you have a really good point with Cologne. I think he would be one of those ones where he, well, first of all, he can wrestle. So he can wrestle. He can put on a hardcore match. He's well trained at how to swing, where to swing, what to use, how how hard to use. And I think that would also protect the champion yeah. at yeah. this point. So I, I think that would also be something that uh, would be a plus if we were going to have another death match out of John Moxley in the long run. Yeah. Okay. So I asked that question because I had a feeling there it was going to be a stumper because I really thought, okay, we have Effie. Number two would probably be Jordan. Number three would probably be Alex. I, I didn't say that, but yeah. I'm thinking Alex. I don't know who to put past that. So if Effie fails here next, you know, the next day, I don't know who the number three would be. 
A new one just popped in my mind, and it's uh -huh. one of Moxley just wrestled against him, Mance Warner. That was the one I was like, there's an obvious one I know. I just cannot think, like, off the top of my head. Long day at work. Yeah. I couldn't think of it, but that was the one I was like, there. I know there was another one. Like, there was two I would have put before Jordan, because even though Jordan's, on, like I said, on a roll, I would like to see him right. kind of be built up a little bit more. I don't want to. I don't want it to be an early push, so kind of like how I felt they did with Blake. Like, yeah, you're you deserve yep. it, but not this second. You need to prove a little bit more, and that's why I think Jordan is like he's give it a couple more months, let him dabble into a little crazy match with Joey again, and then get him some blood, and that will show the crowd, hey, he's not afraid to get down and dirty with Moxley or whoever's a champion. He'll he'll do what he needs to do to win. So I I that's what I would say was. Jordan would be number three because of that. And then, yeah, Mance Warner was the one that I would probably, after Cologne, I'd still put Cologne number one because I'm kind of punishing Mance Warner for the time off. You know, I shouldn't be doing that. But unfortunately, like with that time off, he's been killing it since he's been back and got the bunkhouse brawl. Like they could have yeah. cap capitalized off that. They could capitalize off his showing at e AEW. Um, I think that's probably where I would have gone if it wasn't going to be Alex was Mance Warner. Well, you know, I, I still think that that Mance Warner choice was was really interesting that night for the bunkhouse match. Um, if I thought that Effie may pull off this new, you know, this championship match with Moxley, I'd almost think that maybe the bunkhouse would have been uh, won by Effie. Mm -hmm. So I know it's just kind of a funny, funny thought. But I mean, if Effie would have won this, I would have thought that maybe he's just going to knock off Moxley. We'll see. Um Okay, so the opening minute, here we go where I was saying it was more comedy. So an opening minute right from the get-go, Effie's staring at John's dick. Stuck that dick chant breaks out, of course. Uh, it took a minute and 30 seconds into the match, and then Effie finally got off his feet. <laughs> so we're talking an 18-and-a-half-minute match, and a minute and 30 right off the bat went down just for that. So here we go. The crowd was hot. Tons of chants all night, uh, you know, during this match. Fuck him up, Moxley. Fuck him up, Effie. Fuck him up, you know, that's, that's going on. Uh, <laughs> Effie has this over-the-top rope, rope choking type thing, and I don't know exactly what to name it, and I think KG and everyone else is still working on it. It's not the over-the-rainbow. Oh, and, be my thing. Uh, I was gonna, that's what I thought you were talking about. So, uh, or under under the yeah. rainbow or over the okay. So, that one is where his leg is behind yeah. the head. This one was where he's kind of putting his leg in front of the guy's neck and choking him. And then FB's kind of like, uh, uh, either way, though, uh, we don't know what to call that move. I love that move, <laughs> and I also love the fact that Effie still uses the tarantula. I've always loved it when Tajiri did it. And I know it's not Tajiri's move, but I know Tajiri used it. Uh, but yeah, crowd was crazy with the chant. Uh, kiss him back. We had a kiss him back chant five minutes in. We had a kiss off for about a minute. So now we're at two and a half minutes roughly of just kissing. Yeah. <laughs> or sucking. Whatever he can get into his mouth, I think, was what we were looking for. That's a um, typical FE match, yeah. and I, yeah. I I liked. I know this match got a lot of flack too on internet because of all this stuff, but it's Moxley. Like Moxley won't do anything he doesn't want to do. Nothing was forced on yes. him. He wasn't put into the situation and like, oh my god, the crowd's crazy. Why are they in my face? Oh, Effie's doing this. What am I watching? Like he knows the GCW. He knows exactly what he's getting into. If he didn't want to do this, if he didn't approve of everything, if, like I said, he wanted to do it, and I'm glad that he decided to do all this fun stuff and not kind of be as like a lot of people online were kind of like dogging on him for. I think this just shows Moxie's he's having fun. Like 
Man is doing yeah. what we all wish we could do. He's doing what other wrestlers wish they could do, be the world champion in the second biggest promotion, but still wan- wandering all over the place wherever he wants to, doing what he wants to do and having fun. I just love seeing Moxley, especially with Effie. Yeah, this is one of those ones, obviously, they figured it out ahead of time. We're going to have fun here. We're going to have fun here. We're going to have, you know, yep. and and you know, I didn't learn that until halfway through the match, but that was what was that was going to be, at least up until that point. I saw a pink door spray painted Effie as daddy. They brought yep, that out that earlier cool. before the match even started. And I really thought it was interesting that uh, the first one to grab it was Moxley. Yep. So, yeah. Then, uh, you know, who's your daddy chance are coming in. Then uh, Effie is put through his own door. Crowd starts booing Moxley. Finally. Yep. You know, so uh, minute 10 here. I have that fishnets got ripped off of Effie and you'd swear he'd gotten his head ripped off the way that <laughs> was reacting. Uh, you know, Moxley goes out and gets up on the top rope, then comes back in, starts smoking a cigarette. Uh, there is a spot here where I don't have notes. I'm 100% sorry, but I do want to mention it only in passing because we've had 54 events this year. Um, audio and video gave me a real difficult time, so I won't be able to review that area. Okay, so there were new champ chants and GCW chants. I thought they were fantastic. Minute 15, Mox knocks out the ref. Allie shows up and does a low blow on Mox. And that's when the whole crowd got really involved with the ending of this match. But man, it was nuts. Yeah, I... I think uh, I think I remember when he was getting the fishnets pulled off him. Like I think KG called it like his special protective gear, something along those lines. I could be completely wrong, but it's like it's funny. It's like even KG will find a way to make fishnets seem important. The ripping off of fishnets, like we've talked about yeah. his commentary before, how he makes the littlest things seem important, and that, that's why I love KG is stuff like that. But this, oh, I, uh, I, I, know, I see the choking that you're talking about now. The choke, like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that move it's, is, man. Kind of like over the rainbow, but this one looks like maybe it's under the rainbow because it's under the neck and he's out there choking him. I see what you're talking about now. Makes but, sense to me, dude. Yeah, this this match had everything I thought it would be and probably more, especially on Effie's side with all his stuff that he likes to do. And like he could go like I've seen him go against Nick Gage and just take an ass whooping. So I thought this might have gone more that way because of just what I've seen with Effie doing that kind of stuff. And with Moxley, I think he's been trying to beat this as a serious title run and try to be serious with this belt and like, Hey, like you guys are game changer. I'm here destroying all your guys. Like, like I'm going to, I'm coming out here and beating your ass. I'm not here. Like I will have fun in my own ways in the ring, but enjoying the violence, but I'm not going to do all this like fluffy foo-foo stuff that like some people want, expect me to do. And like, he hates that sports entertainment stuff. You see him like say it on AEW, like I'm getting rid of the sports entertainment shit. I'm here to fight. I'm here to cause violence. And he still brought that in this match, but I did like how he didn't just overrun and kind of just kill whole Effie's kind of gimmick and maybe momentum in this match. He let Effie do everything he wanted to do and did it like with a smile on his face. And he did a very good job. I think of like, even though like, uh, whatever the match result was, I think Effie elevated himself here. And like, I don't think yes. Effie took a steep backseat at all. I think he, this showed like a lot of like wrestling fans out there that might have like a bad opinion on Effie. Uh, I think this showed him like the opposite where what they're getting online is that I think he showed up like as Effie, he's tough. He can handle a match with Moxley and do a very good match. He doesn't need to do all this stuff in the comedy. As you said, he turns it. I think that's what was so cool about the Bussies run. Pussy mm-hmm. would be serious and take ass kicking and fight with SGC. They'd have fun with the main event with the new tag team. And then 
They go at it again against the... I don't think they ever went against the Briscoes. Um, who am I thinking? Los Macisos. There we go. Um, I just think it just showed the range of Effie and it improved Effie's value tremendously here. And Moxley, just he's just having fun. But like you said, the crowd started booing him. I was like, uh-oh, are they going to start doing what they did with Blake? Were they kind of tired of Mox being the winner all the time? Like, we want to see yeah. our own here and stuff like that. And um, one other thing, like with going back to the whole kissing spots and stuff, I liked how they did it at first, like the cheek, the cheek, the cheek, the cheek. It kept yep. on being cheek. Yep. And then uh, we get to the final, the finale of this match where Moxley just stands there and grabs Effie and gives him one big giant kiss on the lips, which is <laughs> Effie. You just see him just standing there like, oh, oh, my. He didn't know what to do. He was kind of stunned. And then like, <laughs> I think I, how I took it was like, Okay, I can lose. I'm good. I got a kiss from Moxie. Go ahead and beat me, kind of thing. But <laughs> Moxie kissed him, hit him with the Death Rider, and retained the GCW World Title. And I thought that was a cool, kind of cool way to end it. Yeah, I don't think the fans agreed. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was no, cool, but I, I, I get all the, the fans yes. get it. Yeah, I love the ending. And uh, yeah, there were boos everywhere. The minute Mox took that one, two, three, dude, and yep. he got the win, the boos were everywhere. Um, Obviously, everybody still loves Mox, but, you know, everybody got wrapped up in the storyline because everybody saw that Effie would have been a great champion. And let's be honest, we were just talking about it. If not Effie, then who? Oh, yep, exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, Mox comes out, says he loves GCW and he loves Effie. And that's when he says he is looking for competition. And this is something you were just speaking about earlier, huh? Uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I think... The crowd was booing him because, as you said, like, we're not tired. Like, we we enjoy Moxley. We want to see him in here. But we just want that belt on somebody that's going to be here all the time. And like we said, if it's not Tony Depp who's there every week, if it's not Blake Christian, especially if he's not going to be here anymore for a little yeah. bit, if it's not Effie, then, like, who is it? And that's where Nick Gage, or not, ooh, spoiler, spoiler alert, but that's where uh, John Moxley's like, who's, like, I thought you guys are game changer wrestler. Like, I'm, I'm defeated your whole roster even though he hasn't but he's like i defeated it. like who's the tough son of a bitch here like i kind of like i thought that's maybe what blake should have done and moxley embraced those boos he realized hey i'm gonna be the heel here and like because i think this comes with experience and especially being on these way bigger shows uh production and more more promo time and stuff he you just see him oh they're gonna boo me fine what do you guys got what are you guys booing me here for i beat all your guys you guys say you're game changer wrestling. I've walked through you. Who's going to beat me? You guys haven't proved it yet. And that's just going to make the crowd kind of turn on him more. And like, hey, we still got a couple guys that you haven't wrestled yet or maybe have had a pass and maybe need to have another match with to see. And I just, I was kind of getting scared. That I was like, oh, the, now Moxie's going to get the booing treatment. treatment. But he embraced it. And I think that right there, if Blake would have done that, just how Moxie did, right there, just. Takes, a, takes everything out of the crowd, takes away, oh, wait, he, he doesn't care if we're booing him. He's, he's enjoying it. He's liking it. Where Blake, you can see he was getting confused, and the crowd's like, oh, we control him. We got his, we, he doesn't know where to go in his mind. Like, we are all in his brain and living in his head rent-free, where Moxie's just a veteran, and he's done it. He's like, nope, I can adapt. Boom, I'm a heel. Who's, who's going to be your big, big, bad uh, next uh, world title contender to try to beat me here because I've just been mowing through them all. And that's when Nick Gage's music hits. Crowd goes crazy. Um, I did not go as crazy as that crowd probably just because I have seen this match before. Uh, just uh, by the time they probably wrestle, I don't know who knows when they're going to wrestle. They didn't really say it, but um, 
I wasn't kind of looking like I heard Nick Cage music. I'm like, no. Or I was hoping that maybe since he would say, hey, my body's because he kind of was looted. My body's giving up. Like, I'm not I don't I can't give it as much as I used to, guys. And I my brain I was like quickly. Oh, is he going to bring out who he thinks is the toughest son of a bitch? And then maybe we get a new challenger. My mind, I was thinking, oh, he trains with Jordan. But like I said, Jordan's not ready yet, but it would be kind of cool. But I don't think he's ready yet for Moxley. And that's just going to be another possible Blake situation where if they try to force Jordan into Moxley, it's, they're going to boo him. So I heard Nick Cage's music and I just was hoping he'd introduce someone else. But he kind of seemed to accept that challenge, which I get. Yeah, I it's cool. I know we talked about it before where he said he has one match left and it wants, he wants it to be against Moxley. Um. He answered the challenge. Moxie's like, hey, I'll put you to the shed. I have a dog. I'll, like, or like, if I yep. had a dog that couldn't walk no more, I'm not going to let it suffer and keep on doing bad. I'll take you like old Yeller, take you out to the shed and end you myself, old man. So um, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Nick Gage, John Moxley, part two, or part, who knows, part however many, <laughs> if you count the history. Yeah. But I'm interested to see where this goes. Yeah, you know, it's it's when I start to realize that Effie was working with Gage to make sure, or I'm sorry, Effie was working with Moxley to make sure Moxley was looking like a bad guy so that Gage can come out, look like a bigger hero to take down the bad guy. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought that was, you know, I thought that was kind of cool how that all worked out. But yeah, they ended up going with a title versus career and Gage accepted that. I just, I, I, yeah. No, I like that. We're both kind of like... Uh, like uh-huh. I, I really that really, tells me who's winning i'm sure exactly Let's that's be why honest. i don't like those stipulations no but nick said he was going to bring home the belt to gcw so that's you know that's absolutely everything and and it was a lot of heartfelt moments from from uh nick gage too because even before he got back and forth with uh with moxie there he was talking about it it had been a hard year and you know he lost family and friends and that really hit home. he paused there for a minute and that hit home to a lot of people because a lot of us have lost family and friends in the last year or so so that was that was incredible uh i do like same thing at the end where after he talks all the shit and everything else you know the the real dimension to him comes in the place where he actually tells everybody he loves them you know music fans and music hits fans cheer I think it was an overall great night. I think it was an excellent ending to the night. It was a great setup for the next big, uh, the next big pay-per-view that we can look forward to, man. And uh, again, now here we are where if, if, if not Gage, then who? Yeah. And that's where I think they kind of put themselves into a a bind, but I could actually see because just Nick Gage making that comment on commentary a couple of weeks ago saying, Hey, if I did come back for one, or match if my body was able yes. to go yeah. one more match maybe maybe he doesn't bring it home and moxie still we're still looking for somebody but yeah. I, like i said it's i don't know where they go like that's a tough like i don't like to use the word retire like hey like alex clone i'm gonna take a break like take a break you're healthy like nick cage has kind of taken a break since he's like since the hammerstein show even before then he was like yes since his yeah, last match break. with moxley since he lost the belt to Moxley in Atlantic City, like I know he took that bad bump early in that match where it looks like he landed on his knee and possibly hurt his leg, and maybe that's why the rest of that match was kind of clunky because Nick already right away was not 100%. And then like the next couple of months, we didn't see much of uh, Gage. He didn't wrestle much. And then I actually think he was gone and up until Hammerstein after the Moxley match. So um, I just hope if it's Gage, he's 100%. And 
Same thing. I don't want to have it being a part-time champion. Like, even if it's Nick Gage, I'm sorry. Like, I just want it. If it's Nick Gage, depend it once a month. Show up like how you're doing. Get your intro in. Cut a little promo. Set up the next the match for that next month that's going to happen. And then that way the crowd's still getting the MDK. Nick, you're still getting what you want from wrestling. The fans sharing you. That's what probably every wrestler wants to just hit that pop and go home. Like, they love that shit. Or Nick Gage, hop on commentary. Expand on the storyline through commentary while someone's wrestling that you think. Like, I just want to see if it's Nick Gage winning the belt. More of him. Same thing with Mox. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm getting tired of the part-time champions, unfortunately. Even though they are bigger names. Probably business-wise, it's better for business. And it's more uh, GCW, more media coverage or whatever. I, I just, as a fan, want to see a champion that's present. So that's one of my concerns about this situation is the fact that with Nick Gage, we may have the same problem with just a different face. Yes, that's going to be that's going to be my greatest concern there. And again, I mean, if Nick Gage is sitting there saying I have one good one left in me, I have one that doesn't bode very well if if he wins or that's not very uh, foretelling he is going to win. And if he that wins, yeah, me. exactly. If he wins, you said you only got one more match. Like, so we're going to see what the hell do we do. Exactly. We're going to see depleted Nick Gage. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, there there were no. <laughs> I okay, let me go back to this for a minute because I wanted to kind of mention something about Effie, and I wish I would have mentioned it earlier and I didn't. But uh, this would have been a match that would have been a great part to just let Effie be serious. I want to say this because I think it's maybe a great idea, but I think at least once a year, once every six months, whatever, I think every uh, every wrestler deserves to have a nice highlight worthy match just once a year let that person go out there and put on a match that they'd be really proud to put on uh, to record you know and put out there for others i think that effie would be one of those people that i really think that the casual person sees a lot of funny things they see all the jokes he does they see all the they're seeing a lot of things from effie they don't see from other performers so of course that's important that's part of him and i'd never want to take any of that away yep. but i would love to see one time where effie has a 20 minute banger where he goes out there and he just does his best and i mean he he, he minimal minimal issues i want to see a pissed off effie almost go out there like a heel and just put on a match that down the road five ten years from now we can talk about that match that he put on and we can go back and look at it and go shit man uh, besides all the jokes underneath all them jokes is a hell of a lot of talent yeah so, and i mean and he wants like you said the highlight footage to if he wants to go to other bigger companies boom like oh you guys think i'm just this comedy act check out this match against one of the best in the world like it wasn't all him carrying that match talk to him ask him if i yep. was good enough like this match proved that i could be whatever you want me to be in your company you want me to be the comedy guy I could be the comedy guy. You want me to be a serious, tough son of a bitch and be your world champion? I could do that. I, I, I agree with you. I think it would once like once a year. Exactly. Or like once every little bit. Like I like to see just that. Give him a 20 minute time limit and see, yeah. what, see. let him prove like I always say sink or swim. Let him sink or swim. Like if they are really think they're like that and like you think maybe they could be someone that you could push next. Here you go. Here's 20 minutes. I'll be. Yeah, well, that was kind of my reasoning was because I think that every person on the every person on the roster deserves to have 
a set of moments to go, okay, damn it, here's why I'm here. Here's why I'm earning that money. Here's why I'm on your show. And I think that would be absolutely wonderful that just once every six months, once every eight months, we get a fucking banger out of some of these guys. And we go, yep, you know what? That's our guy. You know, we can see how much he's changed or grown over the years. I think those would be great measuring sticks. And I think it would be really good to have those nights where we set aside for some serious time for just wrestling. Yeah. And like yeah. they got plenty of the competitors that could put on a 20 minute classic match. We like Tony Depping, but up when you want to see someone go like young that could prove themselves, put them with yep. Tony Depp and put them with Joy Janela, put them with Gringo, put them with, you have a lot of veteran talent there that could showcase the other wrestler while also making yep. themselves still look good. Like we all, like I remember when Gringo first started, like all I kept to hear was base God, base God, base God. And I'm like, okay, yeah, he's the base for a lot of these moves. But like when he's out there doing it, he's like putting on his own shit too. So he can make somebody else look good and himself look good. I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I would like to see like the talent once a year or once every couple months, like, Hey, let's here's your chance go prove the world of why you need to be signed by bigger companies or like you said we keep saying we want to hear everybody when you talk we want to hear the why the why the why show us why we have we should trust you show us why we should give you this 20 minutes or why should we keep on pushing you in our program show us why you are what you think you are as considered as good as you are yeah so one of the things i was talking about was the fact that i think everybody should have a chance to breathe and I forgot to just mention that there was only one match that was under 10 minutes and it was barely under 10 minutes. I think it was the scramble. So I think it felt like this show gave everyone a chance to breathe. So, so I really think sometimes there, there is, you know, something's listening or someone's listening somewhere, you know, just for fun. But um, I really did. You know what? I'm going to do it this way. Is it okay if we go straight into memorable moments so I Let's can just go. keep rolling? So it's a hell of a lot easier. Okay. The first thing I wanted to mention here was there was no intermission. So it was really nice to just go, go, go. And there was no dead spots, no pee breaks. It was just go, go, go this whole time. I've really, really, really just enjoyed that. I also enjoyed a rare heel Jordan. It's just, it, it's not like, it's not like we haven't seen it before. You obviously, and I'm just saying in the last six months, it's nice to see it for a change. Yeah. I, I kind of like it. What he kind of, what I like from what he's been doing a lot lately is defending Nick, like mm -hmm. Nick's, Nick's oh, oh, it's two one on Big one. Brother. Yep. Nope. Come here. Fight me assholes. Like you go through me first before you get to him. I really like how he's been doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Also, I like the fact that there were really strong showings from Axton and Mathers in the scramble. I'm really a big fan of both of them. I really like to see both of them over here in GCW. I'd like to see them both regulars at some point. Uh, that 24-minute Blake and Deppin match, honestly, was just an absolute knockdown, drag-out fight. I really, really, really enjoyed that. We had the crowd turning on Blake, unfortunately, that completely overshadowed a wonderful Blake and Deppin match. So um, that was... You know, that was kind of the first half of everything. The Briscoes becoming new tag team champions. I think that was absolutely fantastic. I know Los Macisos did not have the chance to shine, but I'm sure they knew that ahead of time being transitional champions that, uh, you know, they were just going to hold it for a small amount of time. Um, the Charles Mason surprise attack is going to be the last one I'm going to talk about for just a moment because I'm a Charles Mason guy. 
he has become a menace again. So I'm looking forward to see what happens with that. Yes, he's been that spoiler that we've been talking about. Um, he kind of always seems to pick the right moments to be that big asshole that everybody legit mm -hmm. hates. I've been like seeing that. Um, some of my memorable moments for the night was um, there was not new talent showed up. Like how we saw like a Hammerstein, which is like their probably their biggest show of the year other than Homecoming was this year, at least because Hammerstein's yeah. not a regular show at the moment. But like you saw Hammerstein, they brought in a Ruby Soho. They brought in a Jeff Jarrett. They brought in, um, ah, who's the other one? Not homicide's a kind of GCW fight, but you see, they go out of their way to bring in brand new people for GCW. Where I liked is, hey, this is our homecoming. This is our company spot. This is our biggest show of the year. We're gonna have our talent represented on this show. I love seeing that, and I love seeing the awesomeness of you start off the night. Here's our future in Nick Wayne and Starboy, and then at the end, hey, here's our present. And possibly our future coming up with the longest our past with Nick Gage. Like I loved how they showed off young talent and veteran talent while also building up some of those people still stuck in the middle as Rena got the big push or Cole Radrick got a bigger push this night. Like I I loved seeing the progression of the people like getting a bigger spot and going out there and showing out. And I just thought this for overall for homecoming. I had, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, I had my reservations on how good this was going to be because of a lack of a buildup or storylines or any of that stuff. But overall, I was I I enjoyed that match. I thought that was one of their better ones they did this year. Yeah, so I was watching the Tremont uh, John Wayne Murdoch match, and I was sitting there looking at them, and I obviously realized those are future deathmatch legends. Yep, we were watching deathmatch legends go off on each other well before their time's up. So, you know, fantastic to see that. The last seven minutes of the uh, the, Yama, the Yamashita Cologne match was just glass, glass, glass. Fantastic. Ending up with the Yamashita as the new championship with the ultraviolet title. I'm never going to forget that. Yeah. She's probably not going to forget that either. Mock showing up more in the past couple shows was really at, at this point a highlight for us and the last thing was just mdk challenging moxley i thought that was really satisfying because if we're going to boohoo at the end over effie at least this gives us something to look forward to yes that was a kind of a good way to save like hey this was a feel-good card the arena was a feel-good memorable moment like i i like I don't want to compare it to like some other moments I see in wrestling. Right? Oh, I remember where I was when I saw that, but that was so awesome seeing Rena get that reaction and finally getting the belts and stuff like that. I loved that. That was awesome. Um, and also like going back to Nick Gage, like Nick Gage is in better shape, but he actually is like he is working with Jordan. He's not just sitting there eating Snickers and telling Jordan, "Hey, toughen up, kid." <laughs> like he's actually busting his own ass too. And like you can kind of see he's gotten himself into shape. I just hope maybe this time off will help his body heal. Hopefully, maybe if he does become champion, we start to see him on a more regular basis. As you said, we start to see Moxley a little bit more, but I think that's all going to change real soon. I, I'm surprised, like, even now he's getting this close to coming up with his coming up huge match for another company where it's like if something were to happen with him and he has to miss their biggest show probably of their year because of something that happened at GCW, like, I don't think that would be good for either company but as uh I, we've kind of seen like i i was listening to 
another podcast where like some other promoter was saying, yeah, like our wrestler got hurt at another company, but it's wrestling's different nowadays. They're not our talent. They're independent contractors. They just choose to work with us. We choose to work with them. They chose that night to work with someone else because we didn't have nothing for them. And shit happens. It's wrestling. Does it suck? Yes. Am I mad at that company? No. Am I mad at the wrestler? No. Am I mad at the injury? Yeah, I'm mad at the situation. It sucks, but I can't blame anybody. It's not going to change how I do it. I just might be more a little, little bit more protective if, hey, I got this something big coming up for you here. Can you try to not to take too crazy of a booking so that way we could give you our big, your big spotlight on our card, and then after that you could go do your own little thing and have fun on the the independent scene or other companies. I like seeing that. And I just I I don't know. Like I'm still. I don't know how I feel about the world champion belt. Like I, I was excited for maybe Tony Deppin. Okay, failed. Blake Christian. Okay, but then you failed me with the Blake Graveheart and all that other stuff. All right, Effie. Effie's got to be it. Third time's a charm, right? It's homecoming. It's the main event. Effie just lost the tag team titles. Like that's where I thought Effie was sure winning when they lost the tag. Titles. I was like, why would they lose it? Because they were on such a kind of a good role and storyline. It kind of didn't make sense. Make sense, especially with what happened during this card where. Like most most Masisos quickly lost it, right? I didn't like the ping ponging of the tag belts if it didn't mean that Effie wasn't going to win the belt. I I I I just didn't like that booking. But like I said, it's up in the air. Who knows? I'm still probably going to tune in and try to hope for either Moxie's damn team, right <laughs> Moxie show up all the time or a new champion to beat Moxie that we see in GCW programming. But I loved it. What a great card! What a great night one of Homecoming. Um. I was looking forward to night two, even though I know we, I kind of know that with the night two, it's a little bit more laid back, but he's also still, it's one of their biggest shows still of that weekend. So I was kind of hoping for some more surprises and we kind of got a little bit more surprises and a little bit more forward movements on some of these storylines that started this night. So, um, yeah, I was looking forward to night two, but then I was like, ah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited though. Dude, night one was so damn good. I was trying to figure out how night two was going to top it. I feel like we really got spoiled with night one. And every single, like I said, every single match was solid. There was no, oh, you know, this is going on. Okay, I'll go take a break. Nope, nope, not whatsoever. So um, just overall fantastic. It was a great foot forward for the whole weekend. And uh I, I haven't had a chance to mention it yet, but we're going to look at, I think, close to almost eight hours of shows just between GCW uh, night one and night two, not including JCW. Yeah, yep. So that, that was a hell of a night. And, you know, I just just wow. It, it couldn't have come out much better, except for the fact that maybe we would have seen an Effie win. But if we would have seen an Effie win, then we would have had Effie versus Gage. And that would have been a real weird emotional roller coaster. I don't even know how that would we would have to let the wrestlers dictate to us who they should cheer for. I'm thinking. Well, I know we and you kind of talked about a couple of different possibilities that we would possibly see if Effie won and where that could have led to in our discussions of pretty crazy and good storylines with some other names, not a part of GCW with wrestlers, but it all made sense because of past experience, like what happened with the bunkhouse brawl, like what happened at um, the GCW versus people and other stuff. Like we've been, we were just talking about like all those talent working together and GCW yeah. stuff and the interactions that they had at the show. It kind of possibly was, could have been foreshadowing or foretelling what was coming in the future. I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I just want to see something happen with that title belt in a very significant manner. If it's Nick Gage and he's back full time, 
awesome. If it's somebody else that deserves it, Alex Cologne, uh, Jordan Oliver, Mance Warner, I'm for it. I just want to see that W back, the belt back home. And yeah, like, but it's I said, though, be a mo- go, go ahead. That? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking it was going to be one of these situations where, you know, Gage is like the mother trying to take in all the ducklings and protect them. Then that's what I was no. thinking too. I was I with this match career versus title match, I was thinking Nick Gage has something up his sleeve. He has some friends that might be able to uh help him out here, so to say. But yeah. overall, uh, like as we said, great night of weekend one. Yeah, do you want me to go over some upcoming shows now that we're nice and caught up? I, I feel good about it. Well, we still gotta do night good, two. Do you wanna do the upcoming shows and then we'll do this on night two? Uh yeah, and I'll tell you why. One of the shows is a Thursday show. Oh, West Coast to, yep, Pro. Yep, let's yeah, man. Out there, okay. We are releasing this on Thursday, and we're releasing uh, our review on Homecoming Weekend Night 2 on Friday. Hopefully, we're having some issues on some something out of my control that I yeah. used to publish, but hopefully they will be out in time, so that way you guys are enjoying this right before you watch uh, GCW in Charlotte, or... If you are watching or you're, if you're watching it while or listening while watching it, you could enjoy it there as well. Let them know what the upcoming shows are, John. Yeah. So we're going to start with Thursday. Thursday is going to be uh, August 18th. That's 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. This is on IWTV. It's West Coast Pro. It's West Coast Cup Night One. This is going to be a tournament style uh, cup. It's it's a two night situation, so you can actually see it on Friday, too, if you're not watching GCW already. But if you're a fan of Starboy Charlie, Nick Wayne, Masha Slamovich, uh, Titus Alexander, Jacob Fatu or Mike Bailey, those regulars over at GCW, you're going to see them over there on West Coast Pro there on Thursday night. Our next night would be then Friday. This would be the GCW Sanctified show, Friday, August 19th. This is going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. There are fourth row seats ringside still available for $40, and there is standing room only available for $29 still. So those are out there if you're in the Charlotte area. Definitely go check out that show. We're looking at Effie versus George South. Blake versus Lando, Los Macisos versus Charlie and Connors, Radrick versus Carino, SGC versus Revolt, Everett versus Blackwood, The Mortons and Axton versus Hamrick, Jordan, Billy Starks, and just announced was Allie and Sheik versus the Ugly Ducklings, and Nick fucking Gage will be over there. So again, that's going to be Friday. It's going to be the start of the weekend. And then we're going to go to the second show. This is going to be on Saturday, August the 20th. This is in Atlanta, Georgia, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This show right now still has all sections available for purchase. You're looking at any prices between $30 to $75. This show for the rest of us will be on Fight TV. And this is going to be an excellent lineup. We're looking at Blake versus Masha, Jordan versus Slim J, SGC versus Charlie and Connors, Cologne versus Freeman, Wayne versus Lando. We're also going to see an appearance by Bussy, Los Macisos, the return of Anthony Henry, and Nick Gage. So we're really looking forward to that show. That's going to be Saturday, again, August 20th, down in Atlanta, Georgia, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Our last show, if you're looking to wrap up the weekend, we have is going to be Wrestling Revolver. That's going to be Sunday Fun Bay. You can find that on Fight TV on Sunday, August 21st. 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. 
there will be a dream tag match that I wanted to highlight that's going to be coming out there. This is going to be the Motor City Machine Guns with Alex Shelley and Chris Saban going up against the Rascals, Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz. It's really going to be one of those matches that you're really going to want to uh, tune in for. It's two veterans versus two really good young guys, and all four of these men can go. We're also looking at the Switchblades, John Moxley and Sammy, uh, Sammy Callahan out there doing their thing. Your uh, JT Dunn will be there, Davey Richards, one called Manders, Rich Swan, War Horse, Man Scout, Ali Catch, Jessica Havoc, Billy Starks, Gringo Loco, Alex Cologne, and Ninja Max. So if you're a fan of any of those GCW regulars, please show up over there and watch that. I do say that Wrestling Revolver and GCW are very close hand in hand. And if you really are into supporting any independent wrestling or independent performers, this is going to be one of those shows where you're going to want to go out there and give some support. I'm a real big fan of Sammy Callahan, and I really do think that he has a good vision for that company. And I love the 90s style that you can see the minute you tune in and watch it. So I just wanted to let everyone know that this weekend, Thursday can start early, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's a whole hell of a lot going on, and it's really exciting. Really yeah. exciting. Yeah, just some of uh, my opinions here, why you should check out some of these shows. First of all, going to Wrestling Revolver, like you said. There, it does feel like kind of like if you watch an ECW show in the 1990s. Other, like It gets crazy. They, as you see, it's got a lot of GCW talent there. And if you're interested in seeing a more heelish alley catch, or a different side of Billy Starks, or a different side of Gringo and Oxlade, any of your GCW favorites, they mm-hmm. kind of they do a lot of switching and uh, fluid characters on other programming. So if you want to see, like I said, different versions of these wrestlers, please check out Wrestling Revolver, West Coast Pro. That I'm I have to somehow watch it tomorrow night. I know for us it's Wednesday now, but I have to watch that one because that is going to be a crazy tournament with a lot of yeah. GCW regulars. I am number one looking forward to Speedball versus uh, Jacob Fatu. That is an interesting pairing. And I, match. yeah, I, this is going to be, I think this is going to be a test for Speedball to really take a beating and to Jacob Fatu, see if he could keep up with some of these high flyers. Um, GCW's too, the, the Sanctified show in Charlotte has a lot of names that I've never seen before. So I'm interested to see a George South. I want to see more of Lando. Hopefully he has recovered from his ankle injury. I want to oh, see yeah. the Revolt. I've seen them a couple times. Um, Chris Hamrick, I've seen a couple times too. I, I know that he's more of a, I think he's more of a veteran. I could be wrong. I could be thinking of some other Hamrick, but I, there's a lot of d- new names I haven't seen. And that's what makes GCW fun for me is learning of these new names to see who's going to be the next Axton Ray where I got to go out of my way to watch them or who's going to be the new um, Speedball or something like that. People I never watched before until I saw them in GCW. So I can't wait to see how the new talent is on the GCW shows. And their Saturday show is pretty crazy as well with the. The Cologne and Hunter Freeman FS or FSW, um, LA fights going against GCW. That ought to be interesting. And uh, Nick Age, I'm pretty sure has a lot to say. And hopefully, we get a lot more answers to when that possible career versus title match will happen. But there's a lot of good wrestling this weekend, as you were saying. Yeah, you got a lot of wrestling to watch this weekend. I know I do as well. <laughs> but this, yep. that's the shit we love. So we're going to enjoy every single moment of it. Um, like I said, we are going to probably put uh, night two out on Friday morning. So hopefully it will be out early enough. So throughout the day, you can listen to it, get your little last minute catch ups, 
maybe hear some new opinions and thoughts of what possibly that show Friday night will entitle and what will happen at GCW Sanctified on Fight Team. Uh, John, is there any other closing words you'd like to say before we let them go on Homecoming Night One? No, man. Uh, again, I just I'm having a lot of fun and I want to thank everybody for listening. It's, it's nothing but love. Yes, it's been awesome. And this has been fun doing this. It's it's been fun. This has been very rewarding on my end of talking GCW with a great person like yourself, another knowledgeable fan. And you have a lot of like, yeah, we have different opinions, but it's all good. Yeah, we, thanks, man. Talk it through. I, I just love the back and forth and the discussions we have. And I'm grateful to everybody out there that is listening, that is spreading the word on. We see the numbers. They are improving. I have set like little short goal, short term goals and like we're hitting them at tremendous speeds on my part. So I just wanted to say thank you on behalf of the show is thank you for keep on spreading the love, checking it out. Like I said, if there's other any questions you guys have, make sure you hit us up on Twitter or the socials. It is underneath at the bottom of wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast It's at the bottom right there. I have our Twitters uh, where you can find us on YouTube and I have the link tree that has all that same information as well. And uh, yeah, keep spreading GCW love. It's getting fun. It's getting interesting. They have picked it up over these last couple of weeks, and I'm just very excited to see what the future holds for GCW. On behalf of myself and Mr. John J. Wolf, that will be it for GCW's Homecoming Night One. Please give Night Two a listen and enjoy GCW Sanctified on Friday, August 19th, and GCW's Hope to Die on August 20th. All right. Well, once again, on behalf of John J. Wolf and myself and the GCW Plant Podcast, we will see you all on the next episode. Long live, live GCW. G-C-W. <laughs>